Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 284. I am Peter and joining me unfortunately is not Matt. Uh, Matt is taking one week off uh, due to some personal business. Uh, he's fine. Don't worry about him. He'll be back next unfortunately. week. Unfortunately. Don't be meaning Matt. Why not? You're the one everyone's mean to. That is the format of this show. Don't, don't try exactly. to spell it. Exactly. I, I, I gotta take my digs where I can. Yeah, and of course Connor is now peaking too loudly after a whole conversation about him being too quiet right before the show, so I turned him up. Uh, well, this this is what the the magic of changing levels on the fly is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're really quiet now. You're just gonna be really annoyed. <laughs> Shut up. Well, that, yeah. Now you're talking quieter. You're actually talking quieter to make this. Yeah. To sabotage the whole process. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so yes, Matt will be back next week for the Christmas episode. More info on that in a second, actually. Uh, but uh, Connor, we have info on that? I, I well, kind of. Don't. Uh, why are you going to make this awkward? Just Connor's here. Jeez. I, I am. I am, and I am learning the news with the rest of you. Apparently. Well, it's done. Um, why? Why do you have to see if you just shut up? And let me say what's going to be said. You'd realise there's nothing to know, and it's all just oh. kind of a uh, like this is what might happen if you just let it happen. But instead, you have to question things for thirty seconds. And now we're sitting doing this bit, I mean, wasting everyone's time. Well, it's been called for now because you, you've been annoying. All right, so this is what we are. Uh, yes, this is a comic book podcast, DC Comics, we talk about comics every week. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we got Batgirls issue one, Robin and Batman issue two, Batman the Imposter issue three, Wonder Woman seven eight two, Wonder Girl issue six, and then a couple of Patreon books. Uh, I'll be talking about American Vampire Survival of the Fittest issue five, and Connor will be talking about Undiscovered Country issue sixteen. And of course, it is Solicits Week, so we do have March Solicits to work through first. So look forward to all of that. But yes, all I was going to say was to warn everyone that because next week our recording day falls on Christmas and we're not doing it on Christmas <laughs> um, is that the show will very li- will very lately be at least a day late, if not two or three days late, right? It may be, it may be a very late episode next week because it's Christmas uh, There will be an episode at some point This is the first time um, which, I mean it, uh, honestly, it's surprising how long it's it's just obviously when, the, what year the show started it happened to fall on whatever day it fell on, but it's taken till our, our fifth Christmas? Or no, sixth Christmas this will be, because we have five years in, like, May or April. So this will be our sixth yeah. Christmas. Uh, so it, it took almost the full rotation of, like, Christmas falling on days to finally fall on the recording day. So I think it helped that as well in, like, at least one or two of those years, Christmas was midweek. So they didn't actually release any books that week at all. Yes, yes, they just took the week off. Yes, uh, they're not doing that this year. They'll give us a full slate of books next week. So probably the biggest week of the month. Uh, so there will be an episode. It just might be very late. Now, uh, the only thing I will say is, obviously, normally patrons get the show a day early. If it's so late that the next book, next, the following week's books are either out the next day or already out. I'll just put it straight out for everyone, just because at that point, <laughs> it needs to just get out the door as quickly as possible. Christmas gift for everyone else. Yes. Uh, but uh, it's just because it's Christmas, um, and 
again, there may be a slight change to the following week as well because it'll fall on New Year's. I don't think that's as big of a deal, but it might mean it's a day early the following week as well. So just bear with us over the Christmas New Year's period. Uh, some disruption to the, the scheduling, as, as you may expect, but... Uh, uh, there will be episodes, and then somewhere after that we'll fit in our our annual annual episode. Yes, that's that's how annual episodes work. Yes, it's an annual tradition that we do an annual episode. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what that's what happen. Where we pick our favorites of the year and whatever else we do. I always forget the format. I always have to go back and check the last episode to and see what the format. I always was. forget that I have to actually look back at what came out in the year. It's it's it's, it's one of those weird things. Uh, so. Yeah, so no Matt for one week, but he'll be back uh, in due course. So, yes, with, with all that said, uh, we do have things to get into. And don't worry, even though it's solicitous week, there's always time for everyone's favourite segment, the Comixology Top 10. Is it Batman? No. Is it X-Men? No. I'm stumped. Really, you couldn't have got to Spider Man. You you couldn't have like found found it in you to get to like one of the most popular characters in comic I'll be book honest, history. I forgot Spider Man's weekly again now, so there's always a Spider Man issue. I'm used to this. There's always an X Men book. There's always a Batman uh-huh. book every yes. week, no matter what. There's not always a Spider Man book every week until very recently. I mean, there wasn't a direct Batman book this week, uh, really. No, but there is. Batman the Imposter. There's Robin and Batman. There's there's multiple the Batman Urban, Urban Legends. There's multiple books with Batman they're, in the title. They're a bit more down the wrong right. The you know the the wrongs compared to Batman Detective or something uh, like. I, I would expect as much, but yeah. they still have Batman in the title, so they still sell. Or Batman eighty nine does quite well on the Comicsology top ten. Uh, that's been consistently. That actually fascinates there. me. It, it must be there's clearly an audience for that book. Uh, well, there is an audience. It's an audience who's slightly older than us who just love that Tim Burton movie and want to, I don't know, pleasure themselves as they, as they look at art of Tim Burton's Batmobile. <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily older than us. I think they could be our age as well. A lot of people our age love those movies. Okay, true. That, that's fair. But, you know, I, I was born the year it came Beyond out. You. I was born the year it came out, so I assume that there's probably a bigger portion of people who were already a kid when it came out who are really attached to it. Possibly. But I think given the fact that there were still, you know, sequels coming out well into our childhoods that they kind of collectively grouped together. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying that there's an entire generation of people before me that were already kids for Batman coming out and will remember the release of that movie. Old people. I'm not even saying they're old. I'm saying they're, like, in their 40s. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, that's the, what we insult. Probably a good portion of our audience, uh, right off the bat. Ah, well, it's the uh, the folly of youth. Uh huh. You're not even that young anymore. You, Shut up. You, you don't even have a, like, two good arms anymore. Temporary. <laughs> right. You have, we have a replacement elbow soon. <laughs> I am pretty concerned that in the fact that because because I'm double jointed, my arm, my elbows like like they they t- typically they they stretch. They bend further than, than most people's do. I, I hope to get that function back. Oh, maybe not anymore. Maybe your double yeah. jointed days are over. <laughs> I'm, I'm really concerned that I'll have one double jointed arm and one arm that doesn't fully stretch, and it's going to be horrific. 
Oh, it's like you had a really shitty superpower that you've now lost. Uh, Only one arm. Uh, I still got it in the other arm and, and the legs and everywhere else. Should everywhere else? Where, where else are these double jointed? Uh, toes, thumbs. Okay. Okay. Uh, my wrists. Although, remains to be seen on, on the other wrist, actually. Although, I think that one will be okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I felt like a dick joke, I don't know. I felt like there was like a dick joke in there somewhere. I, 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 I nearly made one, but it, it just in genuine, it's it's the elbows and the knees are the main ones, but yeah, there's, there's a few other places. Alright, okay, well number one is Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> issue 81, because uh, we're on the comments of the top 10, believe it or not. And, and we're back to regular numbers with Spider-Man this week, apparently. Oh yes, it was the uh, tie-in issue last week, that's right. Uh, yeah. Number two is Excalibur issue 26. I'm just going to warn you everyone right now, this is not a good top 10 for DC. Just uh, brace yourself. <laughs> to be fair, it's not a huge week for DC. It's not. Week. It didn't release a, a, a lot of big books. Uh, so number two is Excalibur. Number three is Star Wars The High Republic issue 12. Number four is X-Force issue 26. Number five is Eternals issue 8. I guess there's been a movie is at least propped up their, their Eternals also, book. It's, it's a Gillen book with Ribic on it and it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's face it, there probably was only as an Eternals book because there was a movie. Like, was there, where was the last time? Where was the last time there was an Eternals like ongoing book before the movie came out? Was it the Neil Gaiman one? <laughs> I don't know. When was that? A while ago. Okay. Well, uh, like probably a, even longer than a decade. Not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six is Amazing Spider-Man Volume 14. It's on sale. Uh, there's a big Spider-Man sale in there, so there may be some Spider-Man trades sneaking mm. into this, but uh, I'm assuming that's maybe one of the newest ones, and that's why that's selling particularly well uh, versus the others. Uh, then number seven is Hulk Issue 2. Who's on the new Hulk book? I don't actually know, because... Let me check. I'll have a quick... Because I'm on Unlimited, I, I get everything three months behind, so I'll, I'll find out in about... Oh, it's uh, Stony Cates. Oh, then I will definitely check that out when it, yeah. when it gets unlimited. Cause... Uh, Donny Cates with Ryan Otley on art. Uh, at least issue two is anyway, but you know. So. That's a pretty good team. Uh, there you go. Uh, number eight, uh, we're back to Spider-Man sale. It is the newest uh, Masterwork volume that's on sale, tw volume 22. So That's not surprising that that's in there. No, that's next to that. And then we have our one DC... Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, our one DC book in the top 10. Sorry, I, I was looking at number 11 there thinking it was in the top 10. I was like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> uh, no, the one DC book in the top 10 is actually, pleasantly, Batgirls, issue one, uh, is number nine. So, that's good. decent start yeah, for that. Obviously, it's an issue one, so it's expected to get a bit of a bump, but yeah. it's nice anyway. Yeah, decent enough people stick with it. It should, shouldn't fall too much. Uh, then number 10 is Males Morales, Spider-Man, issue 33. Uh, is that still... Uh... I'm head on. Yeah, it's okay. Cool. He's still going. That's a pretty healthy run then. Yeah, yeah. That's been good for a few years now. Uh, so that's your top 10. But yeah, just to sort of point out about some of the DC books have fallen there. Uh, Wonder Woman is number 11. So uh, that's kind of your, your biggest regular DC book of the week. Uh, Joker uh, is a couple of spots down from that. Wonder Girl is a couple of spots down. Imposter's right after that. Imposter is a very expensive book though, uh, is worth mentioning. Uh, in fact, on that note, right after Imposter is Urban Legends. It's also a very expensive yeah. book. So, And Imposter, I don't think they're overly concerned with the sales in the, the singles, because I think it's, nah, it's, a, it's a book destined for the trade, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a big fancy hardcover they're going to put out. That it's, they, that's one of those that they want to sell for the next 20 years. 
Yeah. No, not surprising. And Robin and Batman's a couple of spots under Urban Light. That one's maybe a little surprising, just because it's the Lemire Batman book, but... Yeah, Lemire and Wynn, it's, it's kind of a high-profile team on a on a Bat book, but... Uh, do, do you think calling it Robin and Batman just is enough psychologically for enough people who don't care about the creative team that it's just it's not on the I radar? I think it probably is. That's that's so weird to me. But I wonder if it affects the way things search and the algorithm on Comicsology as well. Like if you search for mm. Batman, does this show up lower down because it has Robin first, essentially when it you know prioritizes uh, search results? It may. It may. Uh, hey, I, I don't know. Just spitballing. There you go. That's uh that's the top ten. Obviously, if I go onto page two here, I'm assuming I'm going to see a bunch of Spider-Man trades and stuff. Yeah. Just a. Uh, a shout out of things that are on sale. It's on sale till early January, so you got time. But in the vault sale that's on, on Comixology right now, you can get these Savage Shores, which is a Ram V and Sumit Kumar vampire book for a dollar of 79p for you know the, the full five issue trade. That's like the, the whole thing. And it's fantastic. And obviously we've enjoyed a lot of Ram V's DC work on here. Um so I'm assuming you've heard us talk about how much we like Ram V. So if you want some non-DC work, I mean, it's a dollar. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll grab it. You should. Plays into the horror. You'd enjoy it. I probably would. Um, you, you've read Dracula, right? That's one of the rare books you've you've read and enjoyed. Yes, I've read Dracula, yes. Yeah. It, it, it plays with, uh, with a lot of Dracula format-style stuff. Yeah, um, I you know I'm I'm I'll I'll probably grab it. Uh, I'll probably grab a few things over the the. Start. I'll wait till next week because there's bound to be some more lane wide sales hitting Comicsology, so I'll, I'll probably wait and see what's on offer yeah. entirely before I start splurging on anything. But you uh, see what, what else is on sale elsewhere as well in other mediums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm expecting a lot of movie sales on iTunes and. I don't suspect there'll be any tempting game sales, but you never know. They might something might be ridiculously priced and draw Yeah, there attention. might be like the odd thing here or there that you go, oh, go on then. So, yeah, there you go. That's the Comicsology top ten uh, for for the week. Uh, so that leads into solicits, uh, and you know, at least this month they fell in a week with less books, which is nice because it's it's a nice complimentary thing where the solicits are a big chunk of the show. So it's frustrating when they're along a big list of books. But it does happen, doesn't it? It does happen. But so it's nice that when it is maybe going to be a later show based on the books that the solicitors are here to, to prop things up a little bit. And uh, they're always fun to go through. So uh, March solicitors, obviously some interesting talking points as we go through them. Uh, but we'll take them in the order they're presented here. Look at the Newsarama solicitors article. So Batman issue 20, sorry, 121, not just 21. Uh, not much to say, really. Just continuing Williamson's arc. I would like to say I want points for saying Ghostmaker would be the first one from Tynan's run to return. And there he is. Uh, I guess I see, yes, I see that. To be I mean, to be fair, I think Williamson's first issue last week kind of actually changed the expectations for everyone about how much of that run might come back because he referenced, like, everything in it. <laughs> He did, yeah. So it's so like, okay. There's a difference between referencing where the status quo is and actually using characters in your own stories. Yeah, but I'm not surprised, is the point. Like, no, I'm not either. It's like, it's fine. Uh, but the next, first new thing is uh, Batman Killing Time. Uh, this is issue one of six. This is a, 
a mini series by Tom King. So we get a new Tom King mini series. Uh, 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 only six issues. Only six issues. Uh, with David Marquez on art, so he's got another superstar artist to, to help him along. It only works with at this point. I know Tom, Tom King just gets all the best artists. It's just, it's just he has this this privilege. Uh, so it's basically been billed as like a, a sort of year two style story, uh, featuring Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, and Killer Croc. They're all on the cover anyway. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll read the solicit for it. I may as well. It's a new thing. Uh, three villains, one dark knight, and a deadly heist gone wrong. Catwoman, the Riddler, and the Penguin join forces to pull off the greatest robbery in the history of Gotham City. And their prize, a mysterious and priceless artifact uh, in the secret possession of Bruce Wayne. But as the events unfold, what fun is a heist without a, blo- uh, a bloody double cross or two? Well, I mean, given the characters involved, I'm not surprised there'll be some uh, <laughs> double crossing. They're, they're definitely all double crossing each other. Yes. Uh... And Catwoman will lately win because she's the closest to being uh, a hero. <laughs> I mean, I know it's early days, so she'll be more of a villain in this story. But because like Tom King is going to want to foreshadow the fact that she's one day going to be an anti-hero, and e- even by then she was never evil in the same way. Yeah, as yeah. Was, but... never, never evil. But bad, but never evil. Uh, yeah. So this is interesting. I, I wasn't expecting him to return to a Batman book uh, anytime. In the near future, he he did make a point of saying on Twitter that his his Batman run was like I don't know this is my look at you know Batman in from the the psychological perspective that Tom King tends to break down characters with mm. especially in his minis. This is more it's a blockbuster fun kind of you know it's a heist right it's, it's, yeah it's what it is it's not this it's not going to be this big deep look at Batman he's he's All said right. that already. Which I honestly is actually kind of intriguing because we've had so much of him, you know, deconstructing Batman that him just doing like a fun Batman action story might actually might maybe a, a good time. It's more appealing to me as well because I'm at this point I'm, I'm a bit hit or miss with with a lot of his deeper stuff. I mean, yeah, the the, the Tom King twelve issue format. I'm I'm hit or miss on it at this point. Um, doing this six issue blockbuster heist style story is a bit more appealing i think because uh, i'm expecting something different I'm, I'm not expecting it to have that same voice as he does in those books yeah so and marquez on art is it always gonna be nice to look at oh yeah it's not, that's never gonna be a bad thing uh and another new thing this got announced earlier this week and it's super exciting uh so this is batman superman world's finest issue one and it's not listed as a mini as far as i can see uh it looks like an ongoing and why this is notable is the creative team. No, don't get me wrong. No, no, no. Uh, I do not mean any insult to the artist here. Dan Mora is a fantastic get. I love Dan Mora's art, but he's not the exciting name on this just because of the circumstances. He is for me. No, he is exciting, but he's he's not exciting in the same way that the writer is because of the circumstances around the writer. The writer of this book is Mark Wade, who we are welcoming back to DC Comics with open arms. Now, he did do one of the shorts and one of the anthology books, so this is not the first time he's touched something since Didio left. But this is obviously a bigger deal. This is an ongoing book. This is him doing Batman and Superman. And I am delighted to have Mark Wade back doing a DC comic. I cannot wait for this. I am cautiously optimistic. Because while I love a lot of older Wade stuff, I don't remember the last Wade book that I really enjoyed. As Daredevil, which is not that old, was fantastic. I, I, I fell off it. I, I, I was by the end. I was kind of reading it for for some of his art and not really caring about the, the story that much. Well, that's fair, but um, like and I, it was the same with his his Black Widow that came after with Somni, where I was like, yeah, art's great, but 
didn't care for the story. His Captain America was downright forgettable. All right, all right, all right. Uh, but fair enough. But Taz Daredevil, I thought was fantastic. I thought the rating was was excellent. And you, you're not alone in that. To be fair, a lot yeah. of people do agree with that. So you can sit and whinge as much as you want, but uh, not everyone else has fallen off the Wade bandwagon quite the same way. So I am intrigued by this, and I am looking forward to checking it. I'll read the description since it's a new book again. The Dark Knight, the Man of Steel, they are the two finest superheroes that the world has ever known. And they're together again in an epic new series from legendary talents of Mark Wade and Dan Mora. In the not-too-distant past, so it's set in the past, Superman's powers are supercharged from a devastating chemical attack by the villain Metallo. And the only ally with the ultra-powerful Man of Steel can return to is his turbulent and his turbulent hour is Gotham's own dark vengeance. Own dark vengeance, that's what it sounds. Uh, the Batman. Uh, a nearly fatal burst of power drives Bruce Wayne to his own extreme measures to help his friend, enlisting none other than the Doom Patrol for aid. It's the world's greatest superheroes from the world's greatest comic book talent in one epic comic book, blah blah blah. The rest of it's just fluff, yeah. but, uh, so... I will say, the, it's set slightly in the past so that we can have it be Clark, right? Essentially, before pre, pre-World World is basically what this is saying. I think it's that. I think it's also going to be Clark with a secret identity, so it's more classic-style Superman. Yeah. yeah. Also, I just want to say the Zadarsky variant um, is one of the best variants I've ever seen. It's, it's very good. It's the slap. It's the slap, yeah. I was just scrolling through them there to see the other covers. Yeah. So um, also, well, I said uh, uh, Mora's the biggest draw for me here, which is true. God damn it, Mora! Just do once in future. I want more of that book. No, no, keep doing DC work, Mora. Um, Thank you. To, to be fair to him, once future, it's taking its regular scheduled like you know three month breaks between arcs, but it's not missing any more than that. It's still still more every issue. It's still hitting out consistently. So. I guess if he keeps filling in these arcs, you know, between things, then by all means. But it tells me that this book isn't going to be, it's not more as the ongoing artist. He'll be oh, there for no. the first arc at most. Yeah, I do want to put it, there's an art germ variant, which is Supergirl and Stephanie Brown Batgirl in her, like, Batgirl outfit from uh, pre-New 52. So it's like a throwback to that, you know, uh, 2009 era, Supergirl Batgirl oh, team up. Okay. It's very nice. I did have to scroll through quite a lot of yeah. covers to get There's that, a lot of covers yeah. for this one, yeah. Uh, but it's very nice, and it gave me some good nostalgia feels, so... Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So, good stuff. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, and then obviously we have the return of White Knight stuff with uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight, which is interesting, a Batman Beyond character into the book. Uh, it's going to yeah. be eight issues, Black Label. Uh, you know the drill at this it's point. It's set ten years after the last one. Hmm. So, you know what to expect from this, more or less, at this point. Um, I should hope so. And then Detective Comics 1055, 1056, 1057, 1058. Uh, to, and that does wrap up the 10-part... 12-part. 12-part series, sorry, yes. The 12-part story by Tamaki. Which, I'm looking forward to starting. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 unusual but looking forward to starting it and i'm looking forward to next month's solicits to see what we're actually getting after yeah yeah me too but kind of a are we getting a, a new writer is it a is this you know tamaki kind of doing a final say on detective or is it like just the the start of something else 
Mm. Uh, I have to say, I like that cover on the final issue, which is it's like basically Batman in silhouette, but he's he's covering like lights of the the buildings behind them with his cape. Well, the red sky. Yeah, yeah. just a simple, simple cover. I like it. It's very animated series esque. Mm. Even though, like stylistically, it's not, uh, but just in terms of the the colors and the the, the way it's lit. Next up, we got Batman Phase Clan issue one. Do, uh, do you know what Phase Clan is? I have no idea. It looks okay. like garbage, though. It's Phase Clan is a gaming <laughs> team. I hate this. Like esports, it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Like, I I understood the Fortnite crossover because it was like, okay, Fortnite is still probably the biggest game on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're selling a lot of things by doing that. Phase Clan's been going a long time. Like, I'm talking 14, 13, 14 years. Like, old Call of Duty games, basically, is kind of where they kind of really started and became a thing. So I'm not sure what the audience for this is, because I don't think they're quite... I, I'm not sure there's quite the same thing to them anymore. I mean, maybe they're just hoping that even a dozen people who care about this 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 phase group uh, will start reading comics because there's a comic with them in it, and they'll stick around for a few more books. I, I don't know. Maybe it's weird. Uh, weird that this doesn't say it's a mini or anything. Because <laughs> there's no way this is an ongoing. Ah, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, next up, Shadow War Alpha issue one. We knew this was coming. This is the the kickoff one shot uh, for the the little mini event that Williamson's doing between his few books. Just something I will say that I kind of forgot to mention last week. Mainly, I forgot to mention because I I keep forgetting Batman's not double shipping anymore. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of sad to see that that Batman's doing a crossover after like three issues. I would have liked a bit more breathing room. And I, I know they're all Williamson books. And I know I'm reading all of them anyway, but. I would have liked a little bit more breathing room of its, you know, to be itself before it jumps into crossovers. Uh, yeah. Um, In my head, I was getting like six or seven issues before this, but we're not because it's not double shipping. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I, I'm just not. It's just something that I know, especially me, I, I complain about a lot when it's books that I'm not that interested in, I'm not reading, so I thought it's only fair I do bring it up when it is a book that, just because I'm reading all of them, doesn't make it okay. It's still annoying. Yeah. Uh, so, that's that. Uh, we got Naomi Season 2, Issue 1. Again, we knew this was coming already, so... You know, there it is. Yeah. Was the first season co-written by Walker as well? Uh, I th- Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, I want to say it was. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, so that's neat. And then we got Trail of the Amazons issue one. It says one of two, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I would speculate that this is going to be like a bookend, kind of like how the Alpha and Omega issues are, but they're not calling it that. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that is the case. Maybe this is just a two-parter that sort of kicks off a bunch of stories in the individual comics. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about the event that we're going to feel a bit lost because it starts by saying after the events of Nubia and the Amazons which yeah. I don't think any of us are reading we'll just have to see how it, how it feels um, yeah. and whether or not even this this extra book is worth picking up for if you're, if you're just reading Wonder Woman if you care about keeping up with all the extra details 
Because it's worth yeah. mentioning that the, the creative team here is it's got all of the different writers from all the Wonder Woman related books that are that are working yeah, on it. It does feel like it's pretty cohesive from an editorial yeah. standpoint. But it does make me wonder if it's all going to be like it split up little stories all tied into the various books, or is it actually they've all like consulted on one story that's it's going to be continuous in this issue. No, it's continuous issue to issue. Like, if you go to the next book, mm. which is uh, Nubia and the Amazon 6, uh, that is part two of the story. All right, yeah. And then Wonder well, Woman 785, as we go on, is part three. So it's you kind of have to read all of them. Well... Hmm. It's going to have to, like intrigue me quite a bit to make me want to do all that <laughs> no i'm saying so I'm, I'm concerned in that because we're reading wonder woman and wonder girl wonder girl's been kind of on the edge as it is i'm like oh, man this is a big commitment to to read a lot of books it, it almost feels like do i want to do i want to read it or is this a, is, is it more of a jumping off point than a than a jumping in point yeah is it just a drop it for two or three months while wonder woman's tied up in it and then possibly come yeah. back afterwards it, it it could be the case which would be a shame because i just came back to wonder woman after the uh the first like big arc and that i wasn't am into. we'll get to it more later but i am enjoying wonder woman right now mm. uh speaking of though newbie in the amazons issue six also solicited for march uh, so that's wrapping up that uh then we have wonder woman issue 785 oh, wow. so i just i didn't realize newbie in the amazons was a mini that's particularly bizarre in that the final issue of your miniseries is part two of your crossover Yeah, I mean, if it's all been building to it, I guess it doesn't really matter. Because if you've been buying it, then you're going to be invested I, in the I crossover. Guess, but it's so weird that, like, for when you're selling that as a trade later down the line, I suspect it's going to be a bigger collection rather than just one to six. So this, it's going to have to be now. Yeah, uh, one seven eight five, um, part three of of the crossover, um, and then Trial of the Amazons Wonder Girl issue one. So, no, this is a one shot. This isn't actually part of the main series of Wonder Girl. This is a separate thing two issue mini again yeah uh did i say one shot okay two issue mini but the yeah. same difference being is that it's not actually the same ongoing book that's not been interrupted necessarily uh, uh although it's also not solicited anywhere else so oh well okay it's maybe it's replaced maybe it's replaced but yeah that's arguably still a little bit better because at least the the ongoing story in the in the the regular book isn't interrupted. It's taking a break. You have to take time off, but it's not interrupted in the sense that when the trades put together later, you have to worry about yeah issues. You know, seven and eight tying into things that don't make any sense unless you're reading the whole thing. So, uh, but yes, but it's Joel Jones writing and doing the art on this. So, yeah, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, more, more on all this stuff later. And we also got Sensational, Sensational Wonder Woman Special Issue 1, although I believe this is just one of these uh, big one-shot specials. Although notably, this only has three stories in it versus the usual, like, eight to ten. So there are more meaty stories than normal. So that's Which something. might make it more appealing, I guess, in the sense that you rather than here's a handful of fluffy little, you know, eight-page things, here are three roughly 30 page stories i'm assuming there's probably still some you know like uh pin-up parts kind of thrown in like they usually do in these yeah probably uh they're doing this for international women's day which is which is cool 
Uh, I suspect the likelihood of me reading this is very low, partly because none of the creative writers, the writers here don't really wow me in particular, um, and it's a hundred page book more or less, and I, you know, it's, just, it's one of these things where I, I just don't find myself wanting to jump into this, but yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Uh, then we have War for Earth 3 issue 1, which was vaguely interesting until like, I, I realised it was mainly the, the tying into the Suicide Squad book from the, from the same team who are writing that. And yeah. Then it, and then it got less interesting. Over a couple of other books as well. So it got much less interesting once I, I realised that. Uh, because cause at first I was like, oh, an Earth 3 crossover storyline. Oh, this, this sounds cool. War for Earth 3. Yeah, I, I could be into this. And then I realized that with the team where I realized that it mostly was crossing over with books that are connected to, you know, stuff that I'm not reading anyway. I was like, okay, I, I guess this is just, this is outside my, my radar then, unfortunately. Yeah. But, it's uh, uh, Robbie Thompson and Dennis Hopeless uh, writing. And I think that they're taking over a couple of other books as well. They're taking over The Flash for the issue and Teen Titans Academy. So for this month, those books are just part of this story with these writers. Um, okay. Did you read ahead? I, I looked at these before. Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, we'll get there when we get there. Stop spoiling things from later. Just talking about it all as the whole thing while we're, at, we're on this story. No, you're cheating. You, 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 you're bringing up things from later. It's not allowed. Issue, all right, continue. Issue two of this is also solicited. Yeah. Two of two. I don't want to so talk about like it all, all in the one month, yeah. uh, I assume. Unless, uh, unless issue two is solicited in advance. Yeah, Suicide Squad issue 13 uh, and the Flash 780, as you mentioned, or, and, oh, and Titans Academy issue 13, which, I mean, that was kind of... I mean, Suicide Squad and Titans Academy were already kind of tied into this anyway. The Flash is the one that feels kind of roped in that was separate from before. Titans Academy is a different writer, though, isn't it? This isn't the usual team. No, it's not, but, like, um, a lot of the characters and stuff involved in the solicit for War for Earth 3 are, like, from, no, fair from that so it was like oh i felt like it was tied into that stuff as well um the flash though that, that's the one that kind of feels like the book's just been kind of taken away from whatever it was doing uh which for me probably means i'll just skip that one to the flash which i is... would assume so I, I i wonder if it'll be back to the same team afterwards or if this is are they doing a filler month to delay announcing a new team after we'll find out in april solicits i guess aren't we uh, so that's that. Uh, then we have a new Black Label book. This is interesting. So we got Rogues Issue 1. This is Joshua Williamson writing, because he hasn't written enough books right now, uh, with Leo Max on art. Uh, this is a four-issue book, so it's your 48-page, four, four issues. Uh, Ten years ago, the Rogues disbanded and went their separate ways, but time hasn't been kind to the former blue-collar supercriminals. Caught in an endless cycle of prison, rehab, dead-end jobs, broken relationships, probation, and endless restitution fees, um, the rogues are sick of paying for their crimes. Luckily, Captain Cold has a plan. One last job that will leave them all richer than their wildest dreams and free from their past, if they can survive. This is the rogues, as you've never seen them before, reimagined uh, by the incredible mastermind storytellers of uh, Leo Max uh, and Joshua Wilson. So, uh, this is actually kind of cool. I love the idea of a rogues black label book. Yeah, I, no, honestly, honestly, I, I'm pretty sure I can hear Matt getting an erection from here. Uh, I uh, I tweeted at him as soon as I saw this. Been like, how many goats did you sacrifice to to will this into reality? <laughs> uh, uh, and I know Williamson was tweeting saying he kind of had this idea for a long time during his Flash run and couldn't find a way to make it fit into his run. So 
now he's just doing it as a black label story, which, sure, why not? Yeah, I kind of like the cover as well, which is it's just an older, disgruntled Captain Cold. Like, yeah, right. Uh, this is a wonderful idea, focused on a really fun, interesting group of characters. So uh, this is this is this gets thumbs up, at least in the. I mean, hopefully it's great. Hopefully it lives up to the potential, but at least on premise, that sounds great. So Williamson, obviously, we haven't loved everything he's done, but he has a lot of potential and. I still, for the most part, pretty positive on him. Uh, Leo Max, we've all enjoyed the art from Basketful of Heads. Yep. Which is, yep. uh, I'm assuming, the only place we've seen them, but still, you know, it's a good sign. Yeah, uh, Catwoman Lonely City issue three is coming out. That, that's like skipping every other month, which is why it's only on issue three in March, unfortunately. But uh, so nice to see it's still going, though. Uh, that's three or four, so there's still one left to be solicited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons issue two. Obviously, that's. Uh, that's even that's skipping even more months because that's such a that's a seventy two page book each issue. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to me that each issue is a different artist entirely because mm-hmm. uh, it's Gene Ha on this issue who did not do the first one and that was uh, Jimenez. If I'm I right, mean, room, right? I assume it's going through different eras, so maybe it fits narratively with. Uh, uh, I would assume so. Yeah, what it's doing. So uh, that's cool. It's a very nice cover though. I'll say that. Yeah. Really nicely detailed cover. Uh, uh, and then there's a few hardcovers and collections that they're spotlighting before we get to the rest of the single issues. DC Pride from last year is getting a hardcover. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, or from this, well, this year. It'll be last year when it comes out is what I mean. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean. <laughs> the 2021 uh, Pride. Yes. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal softcover, uh, Fear State Saga, which notably is the Batman arc, but also all the, the Secret Fails one-shots and the Alpha and Omega issues, so... That makes a lot of sense. I will say, bold of them to claim it's the definitive Fear State collection when it doesn't have any of the other tie-ins. Yeah, you can sort of tell there's going to be an omnibus someday that has like the three issues in Nightwing, the 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 Urban Legends relevant stories, you know, whatever else. Like you, you can Ali tell. Quinn was there. What else? Catwoman had three Catwoman, issues. Yeah. Like yeah, that, I mean, that will be the definitive one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I could see them doing like a companion thing. To go along with this, that's like all those together. This is a sort of book two. Um, that said, though, I think Catwoman and Nightwing will still fit nicely into their own trades for completion's sake. I agree. Yeah. So especially Catwoman, because Catwoman's actually kind of does wrap up a lot of narrative points. So that I think it's necessary yeah. as well. N- Nightwing. I'd say you could almost skip them, except there's some character beats with uh, Babs and Dick that you kind of need, given where they are afterwards. Yeah, I think it's it's probably less essential, but worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, Saman is getting a new set of soft covers that are all super big. They're all 500 plus pages, so there's four books. It's, it's basically the deluxe hardcovers, just in paperbacks. Yeah. And this is in the Lake Volume 1, uh, which they've also solicited issue 7 uh, along with that, which is neat. Yeah, so we they come out on the same day. Well, so, uh, that's cool. Uh, very nice cover for that one. Sort of looking up at the the group through the the ripples of water. So it's all it's kind of it's kind of a sort of distorted watery effect. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Suicide Squad get Joker, which I you know I'm sad that I never actually made a point of reading issue like two or three of that because while it wasn't necessarily great, I did get a lot of laughs <laughs> that first issue. <laughs> well, you can always go back to it. I can always go back and read the read the collection, yes, but I just you know I, I kind of forgot it existed after a bit, and then I've been reminded and goes, oh yeah, that was this was the one that had all the the on the nose political talk and oh, yeah. the weird stuff. Um, 
Batman Black and White box set, uh, DC League of Super Pets, the the Great Mixy Up. That's also nice. T- I, I kind of like that title actually. That's good, yeah. uh, so that's the a graphic novel, uh, as is Galaxy: The Prettiest Star. Uh, yeah, it's one of the young adult ones, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so then we're on to the rest of the single issues, though. Uh, oh, what a cover for Action Comics 1041. It's, uh, oh, that is so good. Yeah, it's, it's basically the, the Superman logo made out of, like, broken chains. Which, and this is the thing, like, I don't necessarily know if that means he's broken out of them, and that's what it represents, because they're broken, or if it's just like, no, 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 the S logo is chained. They're, they're chains now. Like, it could mean either. Yeah. Oh, man. I could so probably good. find out if I read the solicit. By the way, it's quite at this point. It, all I know is this is its conclusion to part one of the War World saga. Only part one, though, so you may still be... You may not have broken out yet. Yeah. <laughs> but you could have broken out and that, that could start phase two. I don't know. Uh, Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target issue six. So that's... Uh, oh, not wrapping up. That's seven issues. I, I just assumed it was six. There's seven issues, that many. Uh, Aquaman issue two. Uh, it's coming out. And we got Arkham City, The Order of the World. Issue six. And as with all those issues, very nice cover uh, on this. Yeah. Uh, another, another good cover featuring chains. We got we got multiple good chain heavy covers. Also calling back to the jaw of what else you know what happened in, in the earlier issues yes. of that book. Yes. No, no spoilers in case anyone's not been reading it, but it's a very good callback. I also like the touch that she's holding the jaw whilst like clenching her oh. own jaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't do it to me. Yes. Uh, Batgirls issue four. Uh, so that's still going. Uh, Batman the Night issue three. This is the Zarsky Batman book. I'm going to be honest. This is the book I keep forgetting exists yeah, because we haven't had the first issue yet. I had to scroll down and see who was writing it to remind myself what this was because I'm like, The Night? What's this yeah. book? Every time I get to it, I go, We're getting a Zarsky Batman book? Oh, yeah. We just haven't read the first issue yet. Uh, then we got Batman Urban Legends issue 13 uh, with stories by Vita Alea, Mark Russell, Ram V. And Mahali Mashigo. So, mm. cool. Uh, Blue and Gold issue seven. We have Catwoman issue forty-one. Uh, so again, we've not gotten to this first Teeny Howard issue yet, but uh, we'll... I did see the preview last week of oh. the art. Looks very nice. Um, the the it was an uncolored art preview. Uh, it was all like grays, like grayscale stuff, and it looked gorgeous. And I kind of wish they just published it like that, but. Can, can I just yeah, say those colors all look good as well? There's four covers for this Catwoman issue, and none of them are less than great. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all kind of great, aren't they? They're all. I mean, obviously, I have preferences as to which one I like more, but none of them are bad. None of them are bad. Yeah, that's very notable. So, you know what, artists? Let's be honest here. Artists are a little perverted, and that's why characters like Catwoman and Poison Ivy always get good covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch of dirty old feckers who like to draw and it's not even ladies. like it's just the men drawing these at least half of these uh, 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 women artists drawing these variants no, they can be perverts too that's fine no no I'm just saying like, I'm just, <laughs> just clarifying that this is equality in the perverts yes Dark Nights of Steel issue 5 uh, up next which is a pe- you know more great covers oh my damn more of the regular cover is that a stephanie brown archer on the variant which by the way the cover is phenomenal i think it might be stephanie brown. i'm judging by the color it's just the yeah, it's the purple cloak but it's an archer with a purple cloak but it, i mean if you told me it's like an artemis or something like yeah but i mean it's middleton it's it's a gorgeous cover 
I'm just I'm just scanning the solicitor. It doesn't mention her. It doesn't mention anyone. No, it's not, it's not like there's someone else that. that yeah, like, like, we can see Diner in the background of that as mm. well. Um, I, I would be inclined to maybe say it's a it's a daughter of of those two. Yeah, perhaps. that that would make some sense. Given that it's the other archer, or well, not the archer. I mean, Black Canoe's not an archer, but she's connected to Green Arrow. But like, given that it's that that family, it's in those the two in the background, yeah. and then her on the front. That would be my guess, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. That's probably my favorite cover at the bunch, though. Even though there's some other good covers. All of them are great, though, aren't they? Yes, they're all, they're all good covers. Uh, DC Horror presents Soul Plumber issue six, so that is wrapping up in March. Uh, speaking of horror books, though, DC versus Vampires issue six. Uh, Babs is on the cover for this one. Uh, yeah, looking very very sinister. Oh, that Nightwing Matina cover for it's. Uh... I do like. That. I actually prefer the regular one. The Schmidt just with the. The vampire in the shadow behind. Oh, sure. Just yeah. the fangs. I think it looks great. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. issue 7 is coming out. We got Future State Gotham issue 11 is still uh, trucking along. Um, although that's uh, changed teams, right? Because Dennis Culver's writing that now. That used to be Williamson, did it not? I don't know if it was Williamson. Or Rosenberg. Maybe it was Rosenberg. Marvin. It, it wasn't Culver. It was definitely someone else. You could be right. It was definitely not Culver when it started. And this may not even be the first issue it changed. I'm just noticing it now, <laughs> pointing it out that it's someone else. Yeah, I'm kind of... I want to check now. Just check who issue one was. Uh, I'm just going to check there was an issue this week. Oh, there you go. Well, Culver was writing this week. All right, so it switched up really good. <laughs> yeah. It was Williamson last issue, though. Okay, so, so I was right. It was Williamson. Okay, right. I, I just yeah. to make sure I'm not going crazy. Uh, Green Lantern issue 12... Uh, is out. Uh, we got Hardware Season 1 Issue 6, so that's wrapping up. Harley Quinn Issue 13. We got I Am Batman Issue 7. We have Justice League 74, which is notable because uh, it is actually the conclusion to Bendis' run on Justice League, uh, which mm. means that... Um, and it's, it's a double size issue as well. I think it's still the same size as normal, it's just there's no backup. Oh, right, okay. Well, the main story then gets the full yeah. page count. Um, so, what is... Honestly, I think Justice League as a book could probably just take a break. It doesn't need to have, like, a new creative team right away. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, like... I've kind of always been in the opinion that Justice League could just, like... The event book should be Justice League, and, like... You know, it doesn't need to be an ongoing... Because I, feel, I, feel, I do feel like it often suffers from, like... Always having something that you need the team of the Justice League for kind of just makes them feel like the big things are meaningless. It's why I find, like, my favourite Justice League book all the time is the, the JLI stuff. Like, you know, can't believe it's not the Justice League from, from the 80s and, and early 90s in that it's essentially a comedy book. It's low-key. It's well, yeah, that's not the, that's the point, though. book. It's called right. Justice League, but it's not Justice League. It's it's a team of B-listers and, like, misfits. It's... I'm t when I say Justice League, I'm talking about the big seven. I'm talking no, about the no, main I, I get that, but cast. by putting that as your Justice League book, and it's the only one they were publishing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts that as, okay, here's your expectations, and then you can have your event on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But, that, I mean, it's, that's Justice League in name only. It's not, you know, a Justice League, the Justice League book. It's, it's not, but... They're going to publish a Justice League book every month, so they might as well do that one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they probably won't take a break. I, I think it could take a few months off just to refresh, but it could. But issue seventy-five, they're not going to miss that. Oh yeah, well, it, it does mean that the first, the new writer will get a special. Like they'll get like a triple-sized issue to kick things off in, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's issue seventy-five. Quite 
Uh, so we'll see if they've got a new creative team for that next month. Um, if they don't do it immediately the following month, maybe if there's an anniversary coming up or something, maybe they'll hold it a little bit to like hit an anniversary or something. They might just do like a big one shot for the yeah. 75, like a fill-in. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, maybe it'll be a big one shot, but the final story will be the new writer to tease their going forward yeah, plot. Yeah, they've done that a few times. Justice League Incarnate issue 5. Uh, that's that's the, you know, still going, so that's cool. Uh, notably, that's Williamson and Dennis Culver <laughs> co-writing. <laughs> and Culver's who took over uh, Future State, so that's just interesting. So they, they do have a, a working relationship then, <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes issue 3 by Bendis, the one that Matt is begrudgingly going to read. So look forward to him uh, working Moaning his way about every issue of that, yeah. Yeah, Looney Tunes issue 265, uh, Mad Magazine issue 25, Monkey Prince issue 2, uh, that's a Jean Ling Yang book. Uh, no, a nice little touch in the solicit for that. They've actually got the uh, the Chinese lettering next, like, uh, for their names, next to the creator names as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice touch. Uh, Nightwing issue 90, uh, which is going to feature uh, Wally West in a two-parter. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a nice cover, too. It's interesting that we're going from a two-part crossover with uh, Superman. So we've got, like, essentially, here's a John story with, mm-hmm. with Dick, and then here's a, a, a Dick and Wally story, kind of back-to-back. Yeah, maybe that'll thematically actually make a lot of sense why there's, like, two... Things like that, back to back. The cover is, you know, Nightwing's running, but then there's like a Flash logo with the Flash in it, sort of like yeah. running alongside him. It's a really nice cover. And I assume as well, having the one issue of the Superman crossover plus these two issues gives three issues for Redondo to have a little bit of a little bit of a break. Oh yeah, uh, the variant's very nice as well. Uh, that's the yeah. Jamal Campbell one. That's always like really played into the neon of the city and the rain and stuff like that. Whereas, of course, the uh, the, the Redondo covers, the, the more clean colours that he tends to work with. So, uh, really nice set of covers. One Star Squadron issue 4 is coming out. Refrigerator Full of Heads issue 5. So that's nearing its conclusion. Robin issue 12. Uh, that's a pretty neat cover. Yeah. I would say. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, and notably, that, that second cover does make it look like he's teaming up with a bunch of these characters that he's uh, been with on that island, doesn't it? Which would be kind of predicting. It does look like that. Admittedly, it's just a variant, so you can't take it for sure. It could be just true, them yeah. spotlighting all the characters at the end of this story. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And we get Robin's issue 5, which uh, admittedly I'm, I'm a little disappointed with, given... And I don't understand what that cover is. Why is Damien a monk? I don't know, they're all alternate versions. Uh, Jason's like a race... Or sorry, that's Dick's a race car driver. No, no, it's Jason. No, it's Jason. Yeah. Dick's, I think, doing the, the Grayson super spy thing, by the look of it. And Steph is basically the exact same, but with a bat logo. <laughs> she has a bat logo on both. I don't even know. She's just got a different mask on. Oh, you're right. There is a bat logo in that one. I just didn't even realise that was a bat logo. Oh, yeah. They got lazy one. with Steph. Uh, that's that's kind of weird. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Honestly, it wasn't in love with issue one, despite the fact that I love the the premise of the putting all the well, robins I together. Don't think any of us read issue two. Did issue two already come out? Okay, well, it was this week. Well, I didn't read, I didn't read issue two then. There you go. Uh, yeah, and it's also a weird thing because issue three also came out this week on DC Universe Infinite. Like you know, they're, they're a month ahead on there. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Superman Son of Kal-El issue 9 is next, and uh, this is the other part of the, the, the Nightwing and Superman crossover. Oh, I think about Redondo is doing the two, is doing this crossover, so he's obviously doing the Nightwing issue and then the Superman issue, so he's only really got a month off. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool, obviously we're looking forward to that, but I mean, we're reading both Tom Taylor books anyway, so, mm, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Task Force Z issue 6 is coming out, and then we got Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 12, The Human Target issue 6, continuing Tom King's big book, The Joker issue 13, uh, with something's happening with Lady Bane <laughs> hitchhiking in Texas. Uh, then we got The Swamp Thing issue 11, uh, neat cover. Yeah, uh, nice to have it back. I mean, obviously, it does. It's not been that long for us right now, but knowing we've got three months till the next issue, it will be nice to have it back. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it'll be coming after a break. Uh, Titans United issue seven, Wonder Woman Evolution issue five, World of Krypton issue four, Batman v Big B, A Wolf in Gotham. Well, that's just nice oh, collections. Yeah, we're collections for various. I things. don't know if there's much of particular interest. I, I usually have a scan and. The Phantom Stranger Omnibus is probably the most interesting one. Mm. Uh, the oh. reprint and Death and Return of Superman Omnibus. Aren't they uh, always? <laughs> uh, this is the third time they've printed it, I think. I, I could be wrong. Uh, so. You know, Tynan's Talon is a wonderful big uh, paperback trade. There's a Phantom Stranger Omnibus, which is... Just said that. Got a cool cover. I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> this is what I mean. Why, why am I here? This is this is literally the first thing I just said that was of interest. I think that that's the first thing you said of interest. Fifty-four minutes into the show, then <laughs> that was of interest in the collections. You should really think about upping your game a this, little. This bit. is why I didn't interrupt you because if I just say something, you don't listen. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, and the reprint in Jeff Johns' Teen Titans omnibus as well. So if you if you were looking for that, if you're wanting the, the big tomb of the book that is Jeff Johns' Teen Titans omnibus, which is almost fifteen hundred pages, and you could kill a man with it, then uh, horse with that. Yes, you can you can go fetch that. All right, there you go. Uh, that is the solicits for March. Um, well, mostly by the numbers, but there's a few interesting new things. Like that Rogue's Black Label book is super interesting. Wade being on a new book at DC, an ongoing book no less, is super exciting. So, cool. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that is, is another news article, but is, is something that's missing in those solicits. I don't know if you've noticed it, oh or if you've even seen this news article. Um, there was no Doc Shana Shazam Mary Marvel book. Oh? Uh, it's been delayed six months. It's unfortunate, uh, but basically, Shana um, he he tweeted he only found about out about this on Tuesday. Uh, so you know these solicits come out Friday. He only found out a few days before that it was delayed. I don't know why they made this decision after announcing the first issue. Um, Shana basically said he's he's not behind on it or anything like that. He's still working on it as if it was coming out as normal. So it'll be ready well in advance when they do start putting it out. Mm. Apparently they just want it closer to the movie, the next Shazam movie. I don't know if that will line up for the issues or if it'll be more for when the trade comes out. I see, I see. Uh, that, this just sounds like slightly shoddy management in the sense that they they, they, they solicited issue one and went, oh wait, we've got an idea. Let's just, yeah. let's just delay it now. Like, 
Yeah. Rather than thinking ahead, it just it just feels like a bit of a it's dodgy management. A perfectly moment. solid idea to have it around the time of your Shazam movie, right? That that makes sense. I mean, that, that, I mean, this is fine. Like, it's it's not controversial. There's nothing really interesting about it. It's just a bit of stupid management. That's yeah, what it it's is. disappointing in that we know about it now and that we have to wait an extra six months. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the but frustrating. Part. When you started that story, I was worried you were going to tell yeah. me, "Oh, Shainer's like." I, I just wanted you to go through it like that because that's how it was when we found out about it. That was the, the the cycle of events was, oh, it's not there. It's and then DC put out a statement saying it's been pulled indefinitely, and then there was an update going. It's six months, and then Shayna kind of filled in why. So it was like this sequence of events that again could have just been mitigated by DC. Just when they put out that thing of delayed indefinitely, just say it's delayed six months in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh... There you go. That is the, the the solicits for March 2022. So we'll get into the, the actual comic books, and we will be kicking off with Batgirls issue one, Becky Cloning and Michael Conrad writing with Jorge Corona on the art. And uh, I will simply ask the question as I go and fetch my tablet, which is just over there charging. What did you think of Batgirls? I thought that it was pretty good. However, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the backups that were leading up to it. I thought there was a bit too much narration in this issue. It got a little bit overly wordy for my tastes. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't even necessarily disagree with that. Uh, I think it being a full issue and not a you know eight-page story that we were getting before, it does have some other like you know gremlins sneaking in i will say though characters are still really fun and yep. as it progressed and i really got this sort of sort of like odd couple like them living together kind of set up and there's a serial killer on the list all that stuff is actually starts to feel really good um i i think the the narration is a bit overbearing at times and i think i think it would be fine if it was first person i think if it was like say it was like steph narrating and it was like her sort of sense of humor and her reacting to things, it would probably work better. Because one of the things that I like most about this book probably is there's a few lines from her that really feel like old school, you know, 2009, 2010, Stephanie Brown. Yeah. At first I thought it was meant to be Steph because so we have a lot of narration on the first page from yeah. the seer, which is in a kind of a pink box with this blue and yellow thing that makes it clear. And then when we transition to, to the Batgirls, it's purple boxes and given that purple is traditionally steph's color i did think it was supposed to be hers but it it, it doesn't seem to be no it, it sort of became clear it was more third person as it as it went on yeah unless it's supposed to be her writing something down the line i don't know but mm. it it didn't quite feel like steph's dialogue not quite it, it was close like it was close enough that if you told me it was steph i'd maybe go all right sure but it's not quite there either yeah. So, you know, it's Bab still telling them to keep a low profile, don't, you know, create a ruckus, uh, which leads to a, an awkward moment for Cass where some thugs try to, like, steal the last box of things when they're moving in, and Cass just throws the fight, <laughs> you know, like she does. But, of course, when Steph's, like, going to sneak out and say, hey, let's go and get those guys uh, who, who stole the stuff from you, she looks out the window and they're already beat up, and it's like, damn it, Cass. <laughs> You already yeah. beat me to it. And she's got a ridiculous... She wanted her unicorn robe. Yeah, it's a ridiculous bathrobe. Um, 
So all of this is just, you know, the excitement of bunk beds and all that. It, there's just a lot of fun character stuff. I think what I really like about it, though, is this idea they have to go low-tech. So they have walkie-talkies instead of, like, you know, smartphones. Uh, they've got an old CRT TV. They can't risk having a smart TV because yeah. the overseer could hack into it. So everything has to be sort of low-tech, which I think gives it an interesting kind of vibe because you know, we associate Oracle so much with high-tech and, like, hacking and all that that, I don't know, we're going to at least spend a few issues or an arc with them all having to be cut down to basics. Um, Including their bikes. Yeah, she gives them mopeds, which they immediately ignore, and Cass stole the car keys from the muggers, so they've got their ridiculous car with a skull on the front of the hood. A very traditional... American muscle car. Yes. Very Mad Max-esque with the way it's decked out. Yeah. So I, I think that's for me. Like, I enjoyed the first half of the character interactions, but I think that's when it really picked up, when it was like Steph and Cass kind of breaking the rules that Big Sisters let out for them. And so yeah. like, because I, I think multiple times to say, Babs will understand. <laughs> She'll yeah. understand why we did this. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, so so yeah, they reference this serial killer a few times. They reference this graffiti artist, uh, Tutor, who goes around the city. Um, they end up going down to save, uh, like there's a bunch of like drug dealers or whatever. But the weird thing is, when they go out to save them, uh, all of the workmen who were at this work site are all kind of like zombies. Like, uh, not so much the the zomb- the 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 the, the brain eating kind, but more the like in a trance, like repeating the same sentence over and over kind. Yeah, well, they've been hypnotized or brainwashed or something. Yeah. Uh, but they do have, like, the red eyes to make it very clear to us that no, this is a, a physical affliction. Yeah. And I think the art got better as it went on as well. See that full page uh, when they're in the fight with all the bad guys? And it's the yellow background with them and they're sort uh, of... I, I didn't know that's a great page. Yeah. It's, it sort of does that thing where they're they're both kicking on opposite sides of the page and their legs are kind of unnaturally long, but it works because it's kind of giving you that effect of, like, a lens distortion where yeah uh, they're going off the side of the page. And then you've got the, the extra panels of stuff at the top and the bottom. Really, really nice. Uh, book has a good sense of style. It, it, I will say this, you know, for any sort of rough edges where it's maybe a little overwordy at points, like, I can kind of live with that if the book keeps this the, this distinct voice that it has uh, and yeah. tone. Because it, it does feel like it's, it's it's really filling its own little corner of the Bat world. I, I actually think as well, the second half of the issue, especially as we get towards the action stuff, the narration eases off a little bit. Yeah. It, it kind of comes and goes in waves throughout the issue, but... Yeah, I wonder when if it's there, it's heavy. I wonder if the first issue is a bit heavier because it is the start and it's trying to establish it's you possible. Know, you know, a lot of things. Um but yeah. So Barbara's even waiting up for them when they get home. Kinda all, almost becoming this and I I love when an artist can like do a cast in the mask but still do like a facial expression where she looks kinda sad because they've been caught. <laughs> hmm. I really dig that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's all in the eyes on that one, isn't it? Yeah. And the hunched shoulders. Where it really starts to click for me, though, in terms of plot, because I was obviously loving everything, like, like character voices were down pretty early, and then the action gets really good, the art gets even more interesting, I'm loving the, the mischievous vibes of, like, the younger Batgirls. Where, it, where I start getting interested, though, is when it starts doing Rear Window. <laughs> when they see, like, a guy, like, you know, the grumpy neighbor disposing of, like, something, but it's the middle of the night, so it's kind of suspicious, and they immediately just jump to, what if he's a serial killer? There could be a body in that bag. And they just start theorizing, and they may be right, because, you know, it'd be funny if they're right, because <laughs> it's just such a weird hunch. There's but, no way they are, right? But Yeah, but, like... The, the fun of them, like, theorizing and, like, them them going after a killer, it does kind of have that... 
even though they're, they're not, I mean, I think Cass might still technically be a teenager, but like it has that kind of like teens we're going to like take take on the serial killer in the town vibe uh, at various points. It and, does, yeah. And I'm I'm down for that. Uh, so yeah, they jump down to investigate the dumpster uh, at the end, sneak out again, and the issue ends with. Uh, a group of characters showing up who the the seer who of course was the, at the first page just so we all knew her had sort of sent them sent them on her on their scent uh so this is a group called the saints uh named after simon saint and they basically say the magistrate will never die and i i, I will critique something here on this page and it's that if it if the if the four characters in this villain team weren't labeled i wouldn't realize there was four of them i would think there was maybe two because the ones on the left, I thought were just the big ones, like leg and <laughs> arm. Because yeah, the I can colors... see it when I'm looking for them. Yeah. But they do blend in a lot. Obviously, the Valentine on the right stands out a lot because yeah. the, the bright pink kind of separates her pretty distinctly. Yeah, I genuinely thought... Because when I'm looking for them, I can sort of see the big one, uh, Tarsus, has got his arm up, right? And he's, he's yeah. gone over his shoulder. But I genuinely thought that was just like his arm in it or his leg in front of him uh, a cc i think it, it's it, it looks almost like fingers like it looks like the hand kind of clenching doesn't it yeah uh, and then you got the sort of the robot dog 505 which i do like that as a name for a robot dog that's kind of funny but yeah, it's solid uh so that's a cliffhanger uh so um obviously you know i like that all of these plot elements that they set up in those those backups and lead-ins which is the seer there's a serial killer on the loose in this this shitty part of town. Like all these things are still ongoing; they're all in play. Um. So, yeah, but a bit too much narration and the art in that last page. Like they could have made these villains to be a bit more distinct. Uh, and even once I knew there was a character on the left, um, it actually took me away. I actually thought like the character's head, like that was a hood, or that black part. Mm. I thought that was a hood, and they were like you know covering their face. But it, it took a bit more looking to realize, no, 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 it's the, the Magneto-looking helmet with the greens, the face, yeah. and that's the shoulder. So I will say that the art on the last page is a bit confusing, and I think it's I all think... it's all just down to the color scheme. Like, see if they've just given a, a, a CC a bit more green to really I make him stand color out. color scheme and just the layout of where they're all stood. Like, when you have these lined up next to each other, they'll be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Because they'll have that separation. It's because they're kind of in front. Yeah. It's got that, that awkwardness. I will say, uh, I'm noticing there, this is part one of six. That's a little bit concerning. I did. I don't know if this story right now has the legs for six issues. It, it feels more like mm. a three or four issue worth of story, but they, they could surprise me on that. I think there's enough elements that... like I, Because we've got all these different spinning plates at the same time, I actually think it'll be fine for six issues. I think... Because the seer was mostly absent in this issue until, like, okay, she's why the, these guys have shown up at the end. But I, I can see it being, like, you know, they're going to have to solve the, the killer problem. They're going to have to deal with that. It, it feels like there's enough interlinking things to solve that it might be fine because, like, each issue will focus on something different or at least bounce around enough things that that's why it'll be six issues. Um, that's fair. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not worried about the, uh, the length. But, uh, yeah. So a couple of nitpicks, but. Given how down I was when the team was announced for this, and then how much more positive I got when I read those lead-in like backups and and mini stories, uh, yeah, I had a good time with this. Good time with this. A bit wordy. Art on the last page is a bit confusing, but yeah, that's... I don't think it lived up to my expectations, but it's still pretty good. But it's all like I still I still enjoyed it. I still recommend it. Yeah, and it's also only issue one. Like there's 
every chance it'll grow into what you expected. Uh, I, I hope so. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I had a good time. I had a good time with it. Uh, what are you giving Batgirls issue one? I'm still going to give it a seven point five. Yeah, I, I'm happy to give it the, the straight eight for me. Um, you know, not completely perfect, but it's this. It's filling a void in DC that I have not felt filled in quite some time, and that's the the bubbly. I mean, specifically Steph in a lot of ways, but even Cass, like the the bubbly sort of teenagery kind of attitude of like the the rebellion. I, I know the Robins sometimes like fill that role a little bit, but you know, Dick's grown up now, so he doesn't really feel like that. Uh, Tim's grown up. <laughs> like Damien's the only one that kind of has that, but Damien's kind of all like onto his own, right? He and he's been onto his own for a long time. Yeah, it's funny, we'll talk about uh, Robin and Batman in a little bit, but like some of the, the teen stuff in that book mm. kind of reminds me that there's this same sort of vibe of like, yeah, okay. Because I, uh, maybe it's just the fact that we've not been reading like Teen Titans or, you know, even Young Justice really and like, you know, whatever in a long well, time. If they, if, they, if they wrote good Teen Titans and Young Justice books, I'd read them. <laughs> uh, exactly. There's some, yeah, like, but may, maybe it's us not liking those takes. Maybe, maybe that stuff is there. We're just not reading that book, but. Doesn't well, feel like it's there for us at the minute. Yeah, I mean, my argument isn't really that it's not there. It's just, it's just that a good version of it's not there. That's ultimately what I care about: is that a version mm-hmm. of it that I actually find enjoyable and and want. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I'll have to pull some serious tricks to like even get close to Brian Q. Miller's Batgirl run. But you know, give them a chance. Let's see what they do. Yeah. This is this is nowhere near the the quality of that the start even of that run. Yeah. Like, like that. That came out swinging harder than this did, I would say. Yeah, but that's like a really special run. That's one of my favorites of all time. So I mean, that's fair. You know, uh, bar- bars are leveled at various places. So, Robin and Batman issue two, Jeff Lemire writing, Dustin Wynn on the art, and this was a, I mean, not a surprisingly good issue one, but like, I, I almost had no expectations for it just because it was like, ah, oh, they kind of threw out the announcement. It was in a solicitous little fanfare, but obviously issue but one was very good. At the same time, it's Lemire and Wynn, so you're expecting good things. Yeah, so this this part of the story uh, is Dick is into a fight at school because some bullies try to pick on him and he just beats the shit out of them because he's Dick Grayson. Uh, he gets into trouble with the headmaster and the headmaster kind of, you know, it's like, yeah. is Bruce Wayne really a good father figure for this kid? Like, you know, he's this rich playboy... Maybe he's not got time. He's not even came to this meeting to pick him up. Yeah, Alfred's basically like, F you. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's great. Pretty much, yeah. Alfred's attitude uh, with this, because when they get back in the car and Dick says, I'm sorry, Alfred, and he's like, but you said they started it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like, like, well, they did start it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a dick about it. And he, give, he gives him the, the journal, uh, which is obviously where some of the narration at the start and the end of the books are, is coming from, is Dick writing in his yeah. journal. Uh, but it is his birthday, and when he brings Dick back, Batman's like, hey, suit up, it's time to go, you know, we got stuff to do, and it's not in Gotham. And he, he does apologise, he does actually apologise for, like, invading his privacy and, and reading his private thoughts. And, um, says, no, put on the suit, it's still yours, um, and we got somewhere to go. So this is actually the story of him taking him to the Watchtower, the, uh, the satellite, and him... Not only meeting the Justice League for the first time, but also meeting uh, his fellow first-generation Teen Titans for the first time. And mm. what's neat, because we actually got a story kind of like this. This was way back at the start of the show. There was that one issue of Justice League, which was actually still the old Justice League series, but Rebirth had already started. Oh, yeah. 
And it, I remember really liking that one issue because it was like it had that ending where you know Dick's like, oh, one day you're training me because one day I'm going to be on the Justice League, and he's like, no, I'm training you because one day you're going to lead the Justice League. And that was like a really neat like ending. This was mm-hmm. kind of like a a different take on that, which is so Dick's obviously there. He's really excited to meet uh, Superman and all the other heroes. They're going off to fight Mongol, and Hawkman is pissed because he's on babysitting duty. He has to stay back and look he's after the brats. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there's a little bit of banter with them, but Dick goes and meets the other, and it's the classic team. You know, it's this Wally, it's Donna, it's Garth, and uh, Roy. Right. Roy. It's, the, it's the classic mm-hmm. Teen Titans team. And of course, Wally's the first one to talk to him and introduce himself because, of course, he has to be. They're the the best friends, the heart and soul. They have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna is obviously very nice. Roy's a dick. Garth's just grumpy. You know, it's the the characterization is all we expect. It's in hand one one. Yeah, it's just it's all on point. But they're all like, "Hey, we should be going on this mission. We should be doing stuff." And Dick says, "Hey, we can do a mission." And like, "Okay, we're listening, new guy. Like, what you got?" And he's like, hey, well, we can do this. We can, we can check the computer for other things that are smaller that we can go and deal with ourselves. And we can sneak past Hawkman in the vents. So we get this whole fun... I mean, I love how it, you, know, you see Hawkman sort of look up because he hears a noise briefly and then just says, ah, whatever. And just goes back to listen to his music. Yeah. <laughs> Although, it is kind of funny now how we're doing... And I, I know, obviously, these are these are Elseworlds or whatever, and you can kind of just fit them into continuity where you want in terms of... The, the older stories with smartphones. Yeah, he's got a smartphone in his hand, and I'm like, I almost wish they didn't do that just so it felt timeless. Just so that if you want to think this is the, the story that it started with, then you can. I, I get that, but... For the foreseeable future, this is just as timeless. I mean, it, yeah, they're probably not going away. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that. But it's still not... Like, most of like all of these origin stories happen in a time before smartphones, so I almost wish they, they resisted the urge to do it, you know? I get it, but I don't mind that, hey, if we're going to do origin stories now, we might as well have smartphones. We... If we're going to keep pretending they're of an age that roughly correlate to real-world mm. times, you know, at some point we're going to get Batman Year One where there are smartphones, right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. We're a little bit off from that just yet, but I, it's going to happen eventually. I don't want to hear... I don't want to see this. No, 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 no. Like... <laughs> I mean, you have the sliding scale, I suppose, so eventually that might just be, like, the obvious thing to do, but... Yeah, that's what I want about, yeah. But, like, even with with a story like this where you're doing the, the early story of Dick Grayson, because in my head that's... And even though, yes, we're actually... We've had smartphones long enough now that you could argue, yes, his first year of Robin, like, smartphones already existed in, like, 2010 or whatever, but... Part of me yeah. almost just feels like... To, to make it feel old school, to make it feel timeless... You just take away things that date it specifically. And that's like one of these things. Because again, I think we're getting to a point, especially with characters like Robin who are young enough. You know, in terms of like, like how old is Dick meant to be? Early 20s? I'd say mid 20s at this point. I mean, if you're talking about the current continuity, I'd say he should be at least at mid 20s given, right, given, given what everyone else is. Sure, sure. But I mean, the, oh, the first iPhone was what, 2008? Yeah, this is this is this is like technicalities I don't really care about. I, my my issue is not where it lines up. My issue is I want it to be timeless. And yeah, you, you're saying I, I, well, it's 2008. Well, that's not timeless then because you, you're giving me a year. No, no, I'm saying, <laughs> I, I'm saying that pretty soon any origin story of a character this age will have to have ti- uh, smartphones, and because that will just be the, how it is 
timeless because otherwise it's yes it puts it post 2008 but it'll get to a point where that doesn't matter anymore because that's just the world we live in yeah but we're decades away from that only for older characters no to, for that to feel timeless we're, we're, we're decades this is not about the characters this is about us as people we are decades away from that feeling timeless yeah when I, when I watch a movie that feels timeless, it doesn't have any modern tech in it, right? That's what makes it feel timeless, is that this could be circuit any time between, I don't know, 60s and 90s. <laughs> like, that's timeless to me. But that's still a very specific 30-year 30, 30 30 window you've picked out as what timeless is. Yeah, well, it's only... Before that is, is old, is, by that assumption. Well, yeah, but that's only because if you go further back than that, then you're you're taking away such basic things that you're at a point where, like, you're doing like a like almost a, a noir story because you're going back to the forties, right? And I'm I'm arguing we're getting to a point in society where smartphones are such basic things that they are bordering already on oh, it's timeless because this is no, it's a not. They're thirteen years old. Your time scale on this is so skewed. 13 years old is not timeless. We're not even close to that yet. Oh, we are getting close to it. We are not close to it. <laughs> we are. I don't even... This is such a weird debate, especially since you're supposed to be younger than me. You should be arguing the opposite. I mean, I'm supposed to be younger. I am younger than you. <laughs> but you should be arguing <laughs> the opposite, though. I feel, it's weird to me that you're arguing that this way around. <laughs> I, no, I think this actually makes sense to me for the younger people theoretically to argue it more anyway in, in in the sense that younger people especially people who are younger than me have spent most of their lives with smartphones being a thing sure like it'll be like you don't have to go you know only a couple of years younger look, than me and look. it is the majority of their lives have been smartphones look you can say what you want but smartphones are only 13 years old and therefore, it dates it very specifically, I think, for anyone over the age of, like, 10. What I'm saying is, we don't see the front of the phone. Maybe it's a BlackBerry. Oh, yeah, because that doesn't date it into a very specific window of time. All I'm saying is, that, look, it's a, it's a phone with a camera, is all we are really settled on here. There is no point that says it's a smartphone. <sighs> look... All I said was, is that I like stories less to feel timeless, and having a piece of technology that is this new makes it not feel timeless. That's all I'm saying. New. Such an old man. <laughs> Give it the times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Alright, um... Mm. Anyway, so, two titans go... Uh, and basically solve some crimes. There's a few two-page spreads of them just dealing with various robberies and a giant robot, <laughs> the Toy Man. I actually really like that page, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's really neat. There's a pirate ship one with, like, King Shark and, like, uh, I think that's Tweedledee and Tweedledum off to the side. Uh, and then they come back, they sneak past the Hawkman just in time so they're not caught. And it's like, okay, so they've had this little misadventures together, a little bit of mischief, but they've been doing good. Which, by the way, World's Greatest Detective in like, the Justice League. Yeah, they're not going to notice it on the news the next day. Oh, a team of young superheroes saved, like, the city with a oh, giant robot. 
I, I assume Batman knows already. I mean, Batman, like, by, by, the, by the end of it, Batman already knows. Okay, Batman already knows. But even the, but the rest of them, even the rest of them don't have to be Batman to just... Oh, on the news, a team of young superheroes fought a giant robot in the middle of Central City or wherever it is. They'll, they'll notice, but yeah. too late then. What can you do? It's already happened. Yeah. Uh, so Batman shows up and says, let's go. But, you know, Dick successfully bonded with the team, which is very nice. And he's all excited to tell Alfred about meeting all everyone, meeting the the young heroes, and you know, it, like Al- Alfred's commending it, and then Batman's like Robin, mission debrief, and then there's just this page of like four. I mean, he's got at, that- at first I thought this was he knew what had happened. He was like, right, I want you to tell me about your adventures. You know, like what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, it's actually a little bit more, even more Batman than that. It's basically Robin, tell me the weaknesses of each of the, the, the Teen Titans. And so there's this page where he goes through the four other members and just sort of like says, okay, this is the first target. They're the weakest for this reason. This is so and so's weakness um, and how we'd exploit them. And then Alfred is pissed. Batman, Batman's like, good boy. Batman's like, yes, yes, my, my, my protege has learned very well from me. Uh, very delightful. And this makes Alfred call him a bastard. Uh, Alfred's like, no, let him be a child. What, you've, you've made him do this. And this isn't like Batman's preparing him to specifically fight them. This is just Batman's logic that he has with the Justice League, which is, if the day comes, you have to know how to take them down. You have to be able to, to win that Not fight. All of them. Any of them. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like this page a lot. Uh, this scene, I, I like this scene a lot of like Dick. Well, he because it doesn't get. I don't get the impression that Dick was. That, I think Dick did genuinely enjoy meeting them. He did genuinely enjoy having a good time and bonding with them and going out and being a superhero with them. Hundred percent. But he still like did the the Batman tactical thing in the back of his head. Even if we weren't seeing it, even if it wasn't on the forefront of his mind, as soon as he stops to think about it, he's like, yep, yeah, okay, I've got it. Because yeah. Batman's just trained him that well, essentially, already. Yeah. So, it's very good. Yeah. It, and and it, it, again, it, proving why Alfred is the best. Yes, and it also contrasts nicely the start with the, the teacher saying that maybe Bruce isn't, and obviously he doesn't know what he's saying specifically, but we know that, yeah, maybe Batman isn't the best father figure because this is the way he's trained them. And I think it's fascinating to see Alfred go from defending him at the start of the issue to being like, no, Bruce Wayne is the best to this. Like, no, you, you bastard. How dare you do this to him? Yeah, well, I think that's just part of the nuance of the, the Bruce and Alfred relationship, but it's it best. Yeah. Uh, that's what makes it so compelling. Um, and then the final scene of the, the issue... Uh, which went in super quick, might I add, is just Killer Croc, because obviously he recognised Robin last issue, he's uh, got the calculator to try to track down uh, the young Grayson boy, because he remembers his parents. And he doesn't have a, a home for him, but he does know which school he goes to. So the end of the issue is Croc waiting outside the school. And yeah, I'm super intrigued. Uh, only only one issue left of this, but uh, but I've, I've loved both issues, so. Oh, no, they've been fantastic. If anything, I think this issue was better than the first one, so... I I definitely think it was. I think having that group dynamic, uh, you know, really just made it shine and kind of broke up the issue into two distinct new halves. And it's also perfect, because obviously I didn't realise this when I was reading it the first time, but it's perfect in hindsight, starting with him having trouble interacting with other kids at the school, but then then he meets other kids that are like him, uh, at, the, at the watchtower and then he does find his peers he does find people that he can bond with and i think that's a really nice you know contrast which is obviously set up intentionally but it's really oh, definitely, yeah. smart writing so very good um 
Wind's art is just fantastic throughout. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got that kind of dreamlike quality to it that it always does. Um Yeah. I, you know, it's a very unique, you know, that, that soft watercolor kind of style that he does. It's the sort of thing it's always where, fantastic. Like, like like some other great artists, he's not suitable for every type of story. No. That's um, okay. I would argue that he's not really suitable. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't do it and he's he's not done it in the past, but He's not as suitable for just a straight Batman story, but a story from Robin's perspective, I think he fits much more because of that kind of childlike experience of living in that world and the way he yeah. sees it. Correct if I'm wrong, I think he, he did some Batman stuff. I think he did some Jamie. streets. I think he did some Streets of Gotham. Uh, yeah, back in the two thousand nine period. Yeah, uh, which, which is why I'm saying I know he has done some in the past, but but even that, that's, that's not Bruce Wayne Batman. That's that's Dick and Damien. So, that's a good point, yeah. So you, you do have a difference there. Um, so, no, good, good stuff. Uh, what are you giving Robin and Batman issue two? I mean, a nine. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Nine out of ten. It's just very good. Very good stuff. Yeah. So, Batman the Imposter issue three. Matt and Tomlin writing, Andrea Sorrentino on the art. And obviously, I was looking forward to this as well. This has been excellent thus far. This is the third and final book of the series. And really deals with the effect that the imposter has on Batman's reputation, the effect that it has both on Batman himself and uh, the detective who does find out about him. In fact, uh, Ratcatcher has this really dark scene at the start where he grabs the cop's gun and kills himself whilst he's been interrogated. So it's a really dark scene. And it's kind of like Batman's fault because Batman scared the shit out of him so much when he yeah. when he interrogated him. Um, but of course, one of the things he says that really catches the detective's eye or ear, I should say, is like he acted like he didn't know me, which is kind of the first real piece of evidence to her that there is another one. Like there's more than one Batman running out out there, and kind of plants that seed and uh, sets us down this path. Um, so really neat and you know Bruce gives up the therapy says hey you would have turned me in weeks ago at this point like you know this therapy's over and I think that's pos- possibly the most disappointing element of this issue for me in that mm. it makes complete sense from the narrative perspective as to why he does that and it gives us an excuse to kind of actually focus in on the plot for the last issue yeah but those therapy sessions were the highlight of the of the previous you know parts yeah. of this book I think the the ending for me makes it work because it it ties it back into like okay maybe I can't like get much out of this but that doesn't mean I don't trust you to help other people it doesn't mean that you don't provide something valuable when when I say it's the, the most yeah. disappointing aspect for me I'm not saying it's a negative I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's the right thing for this book it's just disappointing on a personal level is because that was the bit I was excited for yeah so. There's a great couple of pages where it's like, uh, it flips them, but like Batman's on top for one two-page layout and Detective's on the bottom uh, as they're both sort of figuring things out and questioning things. He's he's looking for the imposter because one of the, he got a, enough intel to know that he's in the sewers, so he's, he's going looking for him. Um, some great art, you know, going in there. He finds the hideout, uh, finds some evidence, you know, a weapon with a symbol on it. He, like, but where they are, where this issue really picked up for me was when the imposter shows up at the hideout. And just the way it's sort of like the the bright orange of the the brat tat of him like trying to fire the gun, and oh, and then the fight that ensues afterwards. Uh, That's between them. something 
Sorrentino kills that is having, and I know Belair does the colors on this issue, but I know uh, Sorrentino always sets the color palette that, that he wants on on books, so it's kind of following his template. And this is very much in that Sorrentino style of having these colors highlighted against the dark background. He he often does it with like reds and whites, but here it's the yellow. Yeah. It just oh, it pops it's so great. Yeah, um, you know, even the next that the next two page layout where it's you know they've fallen in the water. There's like it, the coloring like shows you when they're in the water, when they're out the water, when the the fight's getting more intense because it turns red. Like you know, there's a, there's a, a flow to it through the yeah. the choice of colors. Uh, although my favorite part of the art may actually be when like, the cops show up down the tunnel and you get all the the, the laser sights hitting Batman, and it's the harsh like light of the the, the torches hitting them. Yeah, I love all that stuff. And I think it's really impressive as well that uh, that that Bella can have the light feel so unnatural here. Like mm. you know, it, it feels like the you know these torchlight, as opposed to all the other you know the the daylight and stuff that we used to yeah, have elsewhere in the issue. It's it's high contrast. It's harsh. You know, yeah. it, it cuts to dark shadows very abruptly. Uh, and then Batman sets off the flashbang and like makes his makes his move. And he ends up just like he, he comes it up you know through a sewer top because he's desperate. You know, he's, he's he's trapped in a bit of a corner. And he comes out into the city. It's in the middle of like a, an intersection and a busy city street. And there's just like cars around him. So he's really uncomfortable here because he's surrounded by noise and light. This is not where Batman normally operates. Uh, so I and love other the... people are scared of him as well because yeah, well they they all think Batman's a serial killer right now. And I I, just, I love the feeling of this page. I, I I really thought it like got this like uncomfortable nature for him, everyone else as well, but him especially. Yeah. Um. And then he, 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 he commandeers a vehicle, we'll see, mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, and, you know, like, she chases after him, she hears on the police radio where he is, and she's smart enough to go to a rooftop instead of... Uh, I'll, 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 let me not gloss over the page, though, of him ziplining uh, above the city uh, with a low-angle panel. That oh, looks so good. phenomenal. Uh, but there's a helicopter, a police helicopter. She shows up and shoots him. Uh, not kills him, obviously, but shoots him. And this is where he takes off his mask and shows shows her who he is. And of course, they got close last issue. They got romantically involved. There's a tear down her face. And he just kind of pleads, I don't kill people. Batman does not kill people. There's someone else out there. And she's had that seed planted from earlier in the issue. Like, you know, from someone else. There was a source that implied this very thing. So there's just enough of this to like make her doubt what she has to do here. And he says, like, Either you're letting me go or you're killing me. Those are, those are the only two things that are going to happen here. <laughs> and she, obviously she doesn't kill him. She can't. She doesn't take the shot. Yeah. Uh, and that, that panel of her standing there with the harsh light of the helicopter above her in the next page is really, really good. Uh, so, really good stuff. Uh, this all kind of leads to the idea that Bruce kind of gets like the scent of who it is. And the fact that the cop showed up so quick and knew kind of where they were, it implied... That this is probably a cop and the, the only character we've really set up enough for it to be is the big guy you're the big cop who's a bit more aggressive it's like okay it's yeah. probably him um probably that's fine there's only so much you can do in a short story yeah i, I don't think the i don't think the issue or the, the series has tried to focus on like the mystery being the compelling part so i don't think it matters that it's not like a super big bombshell yeah i think that's an important distinction if, if that was the focus of the story it would probably matter more the focus has always been how is it affecting Bruce? How is it affecting the reputation of the Batman? Like those have been the things that have been really focused on, and Batman try to like sort of prove that he's innocent 
to certain characters has been more important than who the, the actual imposter is the whole time. So, uh, that's totally fine. And that's, this is where he, like, says the therapy's done. Um, yeah. and, you know, like, he's like, I have to take out the imposter. If it's the last thing I do, I need to take out the imposter. Um, because he's ruining everything he's building. So, he asks her to show up to the, uh, he says the imposter's a cop. Like, you know, help me go get 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 the evidence I need. I can't go into police lockup and get it. And he notably takes off his mask to so it's like really him talking to her. Um but uh but asks her, like, you know, do you really think I'm not making a difference? The, the, the Batman doesn't make a difference. And she really questions herself. There's a great page where she's like, you know, he manipulated Garden. He's manipulating me. Um which I, I thought was interesting that when she says that he's manipulating me uh, it's like a panel of them in bed together, and I just saw, <laughs> I sort of chuckled to myself because the implication was almost, oh, did he sleep in the garden too? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you manipulate your garden? Um, yeah, but yeah, maybe. so no, some good stuff here. They meet on a a building that's like half like you know there was a fire like a year ago. It's a Wayne building uh, that's currently being done back up, and the imposter shows up. Takes a shot at her because it's almost like he senses that she's looking into things now because she's dusting for prints because she's asking the questions that may lead to him. Uh, so we get a bit of a, a dangling, you know, cliff, a cliffhanger sequence basically of her dangling off the the beam. Um, yeah. Again, a lot of great action here, playing with the colors, the negative space, uh, the, the the harsh red of the blood, all that stuff. Uh, she ends up saving Batman though uh, by shooting the guy uh, off the. Okay. Well, actually, Batman also stabs him in the eye with a batarang. Yeah, that that does do a, a fair bit of damage. Which is quite violent. He, d- he does go to grab him, though. He does want to save him. He's actually holding on to him. And uh, he himself actually like stabs Batman in the, ha- in the hand with the batarang to- so that it'll lose his grip. So yeah. he made his choice. Like, this is on him that he fell to his death. He was like, I'd rather die than go to prison for all this. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, it's, and, she, and she still cuffs Batman, and Batman says you know do you really think batman doesn't make a difference and the next page is her standing on her own and the cuffs are on the ground and the birds are flying as the sun rises you know it's all very very cinematic and poetic and all the rest of it yeah. it gives me a little bit of a hope for the uh the new batman movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could I, yeah sim writer so it could no, no yeah that doesn't mean there was a, a genuine reason yeah. there. it's like oh okay he understands the core idea of wrong, this is a different take on batman but if that's the if I could see this as a movie, like if, oh, if yeah. you were doing a, a movie of, of a Batman movie, this would work as a as a as a thing. I also think that uh, I mean, obviously, you combine this guy's writing skills with Matt Reeves' direction, and we're hopefully in for a treat. Like that's basically the. That's the, the same whole... thing as what we're doing here with with Sorrentino's art, yeah. right? Is is kind of just bringing this home, like the, the the core idea, the core story, the the themes that it's playing with are all solid, and then Sorrentino's just you know bringing it home with. Great storytelling. I'm assuming that's what we're expecting Matt Reeves to do with his direction is you know, bring it home with yeah. hopefully what is a half a decent script as, as what this was presumably given to Sorrentino. Yeah, I think what I dig about this ending, right? Because obviously the cop, she survives uh, in the hospital bed and she's conflicted about everything. Um, and you've got like, the final like, narration of, of uh, Leslie Tompkins and all that. But so you have this sort of kind of like downbeat ending for Batman in the sense that. He doesn't, like, have this happy save-the-day ending. He doesn't, like, learn this valuable lesson and, like, tell Leslie that she's right. He actually still left the way he did. 
but there's just this like olive branch at the end of you think he's going to like beat the shit out of uh the ventriloquist right because it's sort of he treats it very intimidating you know it's intimidating he says are you here to kill me it's all very dark and moody but then he shows up at leslie's door with a note that's just a bat symbol so he says a friend sent me thinking that you might be able to help me you know it's like he's looking out for people and trying to like help them now and you know, re- rehabilitate them instead of just ble- they're not all just completely vi- crazy violent assholes that should be beaten to a pulp and, and so it's, it's another non-continuity in this case but example yeah. of maybe there are other places of therapy better than just sending them to Arkham which allegedly is for rehabilitation and uh, therapy because it's I said allegedly allegedly <laughs> emphasis on allegedly yes yes, yes. heavily allegedly but you know, it's a point everyone kind of knows it's not, and I, I like the idea of Bruce kind of understanding that last time. Like, right, we need to try something different, and in this case, it's Leslie. Uh, you know, as opposed to Arkham Tower, which, let's be honest, is probably going to go very badly because it's got a name like Arkham Tower. Yeah, I'm excited about that though. So I'm, uh... <laughs> I, I am as well, but I, I don't think it's going to be the long term solution in the oh, same no. way that sending them to Leslie is. Yeah, not at all. I, I no, I think what I like about it is that it, it's this idea that he's accepting. Or at least he's making the statement that, like, I am what I am, I am the Batman, and I am this screwed up. It's kind of, it kind of mirrors, like, obviously there's no Alfred in this story, really, but it kind of mirrors, like, what the story beats with Alfred usually are, which is Alfred, to a point, tries to make Bruce better, tries to, like, fight. And Alfred does succeed over time, in a way, because he is kind of the heart of Batman, and him being there, mm-hmm. you know, that was something we explored when Alfred died in the main continuity, was that with him gone, Batman's a bit harsher, because he doesn't have that, that heart ground in him that Alfred was. And I think this story kind of hits on this idea in a really dramatic way, which is that he's still Batman, he's going to be who he is, but he's opening up to at least one person around him for, like, and saying, okay, I understand, I'm going to try and do better. I'm going to try and help and not just create more monsters. And that's kind of the, the point. And it does tease the Joker, you know, you get a bit of laughter in the cell. At least I, I thought that's what it was teasing, but it was going to be Scarface stuff. Maybe it's just Scarface laughing. Uh, it could be. I thought, I think it's just Scarface, yeah. But it was right after they talked about creating more monsters, so I was just kind of thinking, ah, it feels like, you know, Joker's coming someday. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's like a really nice ending, uh, sending them to, to Tompkins, and then it shows the, uh, kind of like b- both, like, like the, 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 the grave sites of everyone, you know, of her parents, the Waynes, and and Otis, which was the rat catcher who who died. So it's the idea that the rat catcher's death did have an impact on Bruce as well. Uh, that sort of made but him he realize he did feel responsible for it, even if yeah. even if he didn't think he was doing it the wrong thing at the time. Yeah, and I like that again. We we'll go back to the colors, but the coloring in that last page at the gravesite is just a little bit more natural and warmer looking than a lot of the rest of the book. You know? Yeah, especially the the flowers. You know, the yeah. the red and the green. The yeah, it, because there's been a lot of greens and reds in this book in particular, but they've been like kind of like moody greens or like really harsh, vibrant, like dark, deep reds, whereas yeah. this is, you know, flowers. It's very natural. And the, and the sky isn't this harsh white. It's, you know, it's this more natural sort of cream kind of... And that's what the sky looks like. I'm saying that in the context of the comic art, it's, it's more natural to the eyes. It's more pleasant on the eyes. Yeah, uh, it's a bit softer. Yeah, so... I don't know, really, really neat. Um. So, yeah, uh, it it does make you feel a little bit more confident about the movie. It does. It does. Yeah, and not that I was particularly worried because it had a good trailer and it's got a 
get the writer and a good it's, cast. It's the idea that you have this really dark story about Batman, but there is kind of a, ultimately there is a hopeful beat in there at the end that feels really uplifting because it's like no there's, there's a light in the darkness which is kind of what batman's supposed to be in a lot of ways uh it feels like even if this is a different take on batman which it is that's fine it's a black label it's supposed to be a different take that's not my concern but the point is that this guy understands the core of batman in a way that can't be said for every writer of the batman movies just say Zack maybe snyder. even most of them just say Zack snyder is fine you can... uh, uh, Name and yeah, shame. I mean, he's not the only one. He's not the only one, but he's the he's the biggest culprit. He's the most recent culprit, for sure, yes, and he's probably the worst offender, but he's not the only one. But it's nice to know that, you know, that, that this guy does understand Batman at its core and is able to translate into that into a different take, which is what you want in someone writing a movie. Yes, yes. Uh, and of course, unlike this, there is an Alfred still present in the movie. So, you know. But I, I do imagine, because, I mean, it's definitely a very angry, violent Batman in the trailer, so I'm really excited now to see uh, how they do that in the film. Yeah, this feels like, not that it's the exact same idea as the movie, but it might play with similar themes, yeah. I suspect. I can see that happening. So, yeah. And art's phenomenal, obviously, as we've been praising throughout. Yeah. We were noting down multiple panels and pages as we were going there. Uh, so, what are you giving Batman the Imposter issue three? I'm going to give this one a 9 as well. Yeah. Um, I think I will also go 9. I was tempted to go a little bit higher. I think the only reason why I won't is just because, yeah, the actual resolution to the mystery. Well, it wasn't the focus, so it's not a big deal. It's a bit more just kind of, yes, whatever, it's fine. But, like, so it's just not as immaculately perfect as the rest of the elements are. So It's made a great book, though. This will be a, a fantastic, you know, hardcover. Mm-hmm. That- you know, if it, this is one of those books where if, if you've got someone who's not into comics so much, but they like Batman, especially if they like the darker, more realistic Batman that you see in the movies often, this will be a, a great gift trade for them. Wow. So, there you go. That's uh, Batman the Imposter issue three. Wonder Woman 782, Becky Clooney and Michael Conrad, writing with Marcio Takara on the art. Uh, and the last issue, of course, was the cliffhanger of all the, the fake Wonder Woman flying towards the plane that Diana was on with Dead Man and a corpse. <laughs> just just for all the, all the important details that you need to know. Dead that, Man was in a corpse. That, that detail is more important than you might think, just in terms of recapping. It comes up quite a lot in this issue. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, Dad is like, okay, well, I guess I better go change into my my Wendy's. Uh, well, that's that's what I'm calling her outfit now. Her Wendy's. I hate that. <laughs> um, I hate you. I hate you that into the world. Uh, if so, I ever hear anyone else ever say that, I'm blaming you. The, uh, at Connor Ryan eighty four, everyone, just uh, <laughs> whenever you're ready. Uh, so they fight all the fake Wonder Woman on the plane and smash them to bits because they are kind of fragile and made like a sort of glass-like sort of thing. Um, so Wonder Woman lands the plane uh, and they're like, okay, what the hell's going on? Is Dr. Psycho behind this? It feels like his sort of shenanigans. Uh, but we still have to go and do this thing with a sword for Siegfried. For Siegfried. We still have to go do that. So let's, let's, let's go and deal with that. And uh, also, she keeps putting off talking to Steve. Well, she, she tries to call him at one point, but the connection's bad. Doesn't really work. She also isn't. It's also, consi- the middle of the night. Yeah, she's 
There's a time difference. Yeah, it's like 8 a.m. in Sweden. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll call Steve in Washington. And it's like 2 a.m. or something stupid like that. Um, yeah. So, but the, the call kind of drops because the connection's bad. Uh, which, you know, maybe a bit on the nose with the uh, Dr. Psycho comparing something to a bad international cell phone call on the next page. Like, maybe, a, maybe just a touch too on the nose. Just a little bit, yeah. This is one of those examples of... There's a trend in comics at the minute that I don't know if you've noticed of trying to link dialogue and narration, like scene to scene, to give it this mm. seamless transition, which is something that's been done a lot over the years. But recently, there's been a trend of just sticking the neck, you know, the, the last bit of your dialogue on the next page, whether it's actually relevant or not, just as a way of linking them. You know, I don't think it really works, but it's this kind of feels. Like it's not quite that. It's 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 actually trying to link them thematically instead of just finishing the dialogue, but it does it in a arguably even clunkier way of just, it's there just to have this link. It doesn't actually make sense as a as an analogy that, that would have been used normally. Yeah, although Dr. Psycho is actually broadcasting an ad for his... Uh... But he comes across as like a two-bit psychic who's trying to convince everyone that he can speak, like, you know, people are speaking through him, and he comes across as a charlatan, and he starts yes. talking, he starts like having someone else talk through him. He's like, I'm channeling all spirit, a champion, speak through me. Uh, you know, tell us your name. And uh, But then, then it cuts to you know, Ed is like, answering a phone call, and he's just on TV. And it, it just, you know, it's like Cisco's undoing illusion, or sorry, undoing delusion, sorry. Um, it just like, obviously it's building up to something, but I kind of love the idea of him being just this cheap like guy who's shilling his book. And like his performances that people go to, I think the part of the worst part is we know he has actual power. <laughs> so it's like okay, there's there's a reason for this. It's it's doing something. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so yeah, uh, but then we go to Sweden where they get to the 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 grave place or the 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 the, the, the final maybe where he died. They're, they're not sure if it's the it's the grave site or if it's where he died, but either way. They're, they're at where uh, he perished. And Wonder Woman puts the sword in, and yeah. Uh, this a little moment. A little, little moment. Uh, although she does give uh, Deadman the coat, because Deadman's corpse is starting to feel freezing. Uh, yes, because it's cold-blooded, or no-blooded at this point, it's, yeah. there is nothing internal to keep it warm, so it is literally freezing. But basically, you can't get the sense that it's kind of by, by itself by the and he's, he probably needs to move on soon. Yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah. the gist you get. Uh, a bunch of the fake Wonder Women start flying over the city and causing chaos, uh, which is what the, the, the phone call they get is about. And... Actually, I really like that panel, but just before she gets the phone call, just the looking down on the, the sword in the, the memorial with the, the light in behind coming through the clouds, and it was a gorgeous mm-hmm. panel. Oh, yeah. That's, that's very pretty. Uh... And there's even a bit of comedy. Is like, oh, we didn't silence the phone for the dramatic funeral <laughs> that they were yeah. having. It's like, I forget I have one. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, they're flying back, uh, you know, proper just flying in the sky, Wonder Woman style, because uh, they don't have time. Uh, but it's actually mid-flight that Dead Man's like, you know what, this body's, this body's done. Yeah, you'll have to drop me. Just drop me. And then, then like, Dead Man, like, the, the spirit version pops up at the bottom of the page, just like, Ah, oh, that's much better. All right, where are we? <laughs> Let's yeah. get going. Uh, so yeah, 
and it actually builds up to kind of the reveal of who is doing this. This speci- specifically, obviously, I still suspect Doctor Psycho might be involved, but who's specifically creating these copies? Um, so we have a sort of a, a new villain. I think it's a new villain. I, I'm not familiar with them. Uh, new to me. People yeah. can fill us in if it is an old timer, but uh, the image maker. And he's revealed in this sort of couple of pages at the end where there's a lot of like mirror images of Wonder Woman and then like him in shadow. It's a really nice, it's kind of like one of those hollow mirrors kind of scenes. Yeah, it, 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 you know, image makers is a master of the mirror world. So t- team up with Mirror Master soon, I take it, yeah? Paul, yeah, I could, I could see it. Uh, maybe. Maybe he hates Mirror Master. Maybe he's like, damn, that, that, that charlatan made that stupid like mirror that gun. Upstart. Yeah. I, I'm the real, you know, Mirror Master. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it just says Diana faces herself next issue, uh, as you'd expect. So uh, I'm now I'm enjoying the the story here. I, I think her banter with Dead Man is mostly pretty fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the tension of like building up to talking to Steve again. I think they're handling that kind of well and the, the the close calls. Uh, Doctor Psycho's proven to be fairly entertaining with his little shtick right now as we're building him up. Yeah, I've been enjoying Psycho. Um... I think it's still at the moment hard for me to read Psycho the same, thanks to the the Harley Quinn show, which had a very unique take on Psycho. I hope some of the elements of that version are kind of brought into this now. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to kind of delving into that stuff as uh, as we go through this. I I almost think like maybe I don't know if this is what he's doing it for, but I almost like the idea that they're kind of like almost dismissing him as a serious threat because he does look such a goofball right now. Uh, he's you know they're not taking him as seriously as they should be, mm. perhaps. I can definitely see some real world parallels sneaking in with that. Mm-hmm. So you know, some I, some politicians that we didn't take as seriously as we should have done. I can see some things brewing uh, along those lines. So yeah, um, and they are pretty solid as well. Um, so I have a good time. It's a shame that I'm probably gonna have to drop this book for a couple of months. Uh, when this yeah, pile of the Amazon thing kicks in. Kinda... It's really disappointed me to to learn how how heavily it's going to be just part one, part two, you know, in in each book, and yeah, that. I mean, I, I'll try the uh, the first issue, but I'm a lot less optimistic now than I was. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm kind of there with you. Um, so anyway. It's not bad. It's not a bad issue. I had a good time. I'm enjoying reading Wonder Woman again, even if I'm going to have to pause again uh, for a little bit. Uh, what yep. are you giving 7, 8, 2? Uh, it's just a 7 from me. But, I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's solid. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the 7. It's, it's good. Not exceptional, but good time. It, it, it just sounds worse coming after two nines. <laughs> it, it, it's, for me, it's, it's very similar to the flashback for me right now, which is just a good, solid yarn with the character. And Yeah, I, uh, I've been enjoying this book for you know a while now, and it's Solid Seven. Yeah, sometimes that's, that's. I like having a couple of those books. I don't, you know, not every book is going to be the big massive, you know, yeah, nines yeah. and you know special things. Sometimes I just want, you know, some good solid superhero action. Yeah. Wonder Girl issue six. Joel Jones with Leila Del Duca on the R. Uh, so this uh, continuing on Yara's story, and you know, we were all a little bit down mm-hmm. on, on the last couple issues. We were starting to get a little frustrated. Uh, I, I will say that I'm probably going to drop it now after this issue. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I'm a little bit more mixed on this art, uh, on this issue in that it's starting to play a bit more with the mythology again. It or more accurately, it's teasing playing with the mythology again. But by the end, I feel that we're just in the same place again as we were three issues ago. 
Yeah, I I think for me, it's just rushing through t- through some of its ideas a bit too quickly, and therefore a lot of it's not having weight. Uh, Yara gets trapped in this issue in a cage by uh, the, the big giant dude, right? Um, and Eros shows up, right? And starts talking to her. And he's like, why did you turn down Hera's offer? Blah, 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 right? And they're having this sort of debate and he's upset about it. And she's like, I don't want to be like someone's attack dog. I want, you know, I'd, ra- I'd rather die a natural death after a human life than live forever as someone that I'm not supposed to be. And so on and so on. But there's a moment here, and then she says at the end, though, even if it's with someone that I love, and, like, he's already gone when she says that, but, like, I'm like, I, I, I could not give a shit about you. The fact that you might think as a, as a writer that I might even entertain the idea that she's in love with Eros in any, um, way, that, in any way that means something to me, as in that you've earned it. I would say, I don't think it's supposed to, if I recall, didn't Eros, because Eros is basically Cupid. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Didn't Eros like shoot her with the the arrow to make no, her he, think she was in love? He did. I, the problem for me though is that, like, the book almost barely acknowledged or played with the idea that that love was like a manipulation and like played and used it as a, a story where we're seeing her go through these moments where she should be making a different decision, but we're sort of watching her like almost start to like find herself from within or so. It's never done that. It just kind of like. We went through this weird training issue montage of her, like, preparing to be Hera's attack dog. And then she said no because it wasn't right for her, and that's fine. And then there's been a lot of action <laughs> since then. Uh, we've, we've just been kind of churning through a lot of encounters, I feel like, with her mm. in this book. Which is a shame. I just don't feel like the story's flowing naturally. So this moment where it's like, uh, this, 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 you know, even with someone I love at the end, like, I had to stop and think about it. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, I guess. But, it, it, I don't know. It just it doesn't... I, I felt no, frustrated by all of it. I'm with you. Uh, Joe, I will say, is the best thing in this issue. Yes. Uh, the art, still managing to look fantastically like Joel Jones's art, even though it's a different artist again to last issue. Nah, that's that's a fair point. Uh, you know, obviously after this, she uh, ends up fighting the big giant, stabs him in the ankle. Uh, and that art is solid. It's, it's all very solid stuff. Uh, yeah. She's kind of. I was like... trying to figure out who this giant was supposed. To, if it was supposed to be anyone particular, because we're in Tartarus, we're in we're playing with Greek mythology, and this stabbing here, I was like, oh, is is this supposed to be like a, a, a take on Achilles? Because uh, you know, roughly the Achilles heel, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just in the right place for it. Um, I mean, you well, know better no than I do. Ref- there's no reference to that later. There's no. Yeah, maybe it kind of is, but it's just like an Easter egg. It's still not important for anything. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, yeah, the action's fine, and she, she has like a moment where she saw, and this is the sort of thing, maybe like delving into this a bit more would be nice, is this idea she's going to use her bola, and she's like, she can do different things with it and get different effects out of it if she channels the right kind of like ideas and stuff, and it kind of touches on it briefly, but not not enough, like I'm like, go into this more, like talk, talk about how she can channel like like fire or or lightning or, or whatever based on whatever god she's tapping into or whatever it is, right? Like, but it, it just kind of mentions it briefly and then there's a scene where she actually does it and like electrocutes the giant. And I'm like, yeah, make, make that a thing. That, that should be the end of an issue. That should be like an arc over an issue of her like learning to use this properly. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say maybe that still could come because this isn't learning to use it properly. This is still just heat of the moment. It worked. Yeah. There's no control still. 
I, it just it feels like it's not focusing on the elements of the story that I think are interesting, and instead just keeps like throwing mythology so quickly that it's just kind of churning through it. And this is all that uh, you know. Me and Matt love the mythology, right? In general, as a as a rule, and this book isn't really working for either of us right now either, uh, yeah. un- unless for some reason Matt loved this issue, which I suspect he didn't. But it, it maybe he had a change of heart. I don't know. But up until now, we, we've kind of been in the same sort of situation where it's just not. It's not hitting that stuff correctly. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Donna and Cass are with uh, the Esquisita? What is it? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, the Brazilian Amazon tribe. Um, and they, they're they basically the, the, the door to Olympus, and Yara's, we've already seen that she's on the other side trying to open it, so they're kind of like about to run into each other, but the the end of the issue is we, we got... um. Uh, is, are these supposed to be specific? Is that meant to be Ares? I was assuming so, judging by yeah. the helmet. Yeah, it's a very Ares-looking helmet, yeah. It is. Um, I, I mean, if they tell me it's not, then sure. Yeah. But well, my I, assumption was Ares. The, the way it played it, it just kind of felt like it was maybe maybe more generic than that. But yeah, it could it could it just, it just be Ares. Uh, yeah. And it ends on this cliffhanger. And to be honest, like, I was sort of thinking earlier on this issue that I'm like, if I'm not more into this by the end of this issue, I'm probably done. Um yeah. and I, yeah, I feel that way. Which is why when we were going through the solicit, I don't want to reveal that yet. But we were going to the solicit, and you said, "Oh, we read Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl." I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm not reading Wonder yeah, Girl." Yeah, I mean, I did even I did even say as we're doing that, you know, Wonder Girl, you know, potentially. Yeah, I, I left that again. I'd already made the same decision as you. I think by that point, but was kind of just been like, "Well, you, you never know. You know, we we might be reading it." No, I don't, I don't think I will either. We kind of brushed over it. Jerry's alive. He just shows up. Oh, yeah. Undercutting that beat from last issue. No, no, no explanation. No, no, they just, oh, Jerry's fine. Yeah. Storytelling is just not that hot, unfortunately, which is a shame because the character is so likable. And that's why yeah. it worked in those first few issues that we got over. But, like, actually building a story out of this is just such a mess to me in terms of like flowing in terms of making me care about the next beat and understanding what we're trying to achieve at any given point it just kind of feels like a it feels like a series of random events by and large i agree i still think the core ideas of both the character and this story could work there's nothing inherently wrong with the ideas i just think they're not presented in a very cohesive fashion they they need i don't know i said this last year but it just needs a better writer to kind of take these ideas i I think joel jones needs a co-writer to take these ideas and turn them into something mm. a bit more coherent. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, you know what I mean, because Joel Jones is a fantastic artist. Oh, but, without a doubt. But yeah, the writing's a bit And, and I think she has good ideas. I think, I think all the ideas that we talk about in this story, you know, the, the heritage of stuff with terror, and I, I think all of these things are are good on paper. They're just not coming together on the story. I also think she has a good voice. Like, I think the reason why we, we fell for Yara in the first place is because she has such a great voice for that character, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, that does not necessarily build a story, though. So, yeah, here we are. Alright, what are you giving Wonder Girl issue 6? Probably like a 5, and that's accounting for the pretty great art. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like a disaster or anything. So even even though like I'm frustrated because like, yet again I've gotten a really lukewarm piece of writing out of it, uh, it's still worse writing. It's just not like 
you know, if I, if I if I keep reading fives, I'm going to I get pissed off at the fives. <laughs> so yeah, they're, uh, they're not the worst if you have an odd five here or there, but you don't you don't go out of your way to read fives, yeah. do you? But this has been like three in a row that I've maybe even four in a row at this point that I felt. Yeah, you know, uh, issue three onwards has kind of been rough, by and large, and played played more in my my patience as it went on. So, uh, I'll agree with the five, but uh, yeah, I'm done with Wonder Girl at this point. Uh, so there you go. All right, well that's a uh, Patreon time. Everyone's on Patreon.com/slash TV. Can make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. And then I'm going to be talking about American Vampire Survival, the fittest issue five or six. What? It's the last issue. I, I, I can't remember if it's a five issue mini or a six issue mini, but either way, it's the I last one. It's a, I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's five. But just in, just in case it's actually issue six, either way, it's the right issue. It's the last one. So, um, yeah, so the last issue ended with the ancients waking up as they were trying to escape the big uh, Nazi castle. And uh, so Felicia... Felicia Book and then Cash uh, are on the motorbike, they're on the run. And honestly, this is got a quick issue to talk about, probably, because a lot of it is this big action sequence, as the Ancient is just wrecking the Nazi vampires. They're trying to fight back the, to the Ancients. Uh, meanwhile, our main characters are just, like, doing an action stunt. They're, they're ju- jumping a bridge on the motorbike, and uh, this big vampire C- Cthulhu, or not Cthulhu, uh, sorry, Kaiju, vampire Kaiju-style attack things happening in the background. There's a great two-page layout, actually, early on, where there's a lot of panels uh, on both sides, on both pages, just sort of playing out as normal with their, you know, the main characters on the bike and, like, talking about having to go down the side of a mountain and, like, stuff, stuff. But the top of the, the, the two-page layout is a big wide panel and the big uh, ancient vampire's arms are, like, spread out, almost like Christ-like. It's not doing a pose. It's more just, like, you know, doing various things and swiping at people. But what it does by having this super wide panel that goes across both pages at the top is that it really emphasizes the the span of the arms and how big this thing is. So it's just a really smart use of like choosing the right shape of panel, the right aspect ratio, if you will, to <laughs> accentuate the uh, the size and scale of something. So thumbs up to uh, to the artist here. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they have a big, again, it's a big action scene. They, if you remember, they've got, like, a sunlight gun that they were, like, showing off in the last couple of issues. They've got that on them. So, uh, Book shoots this down the side of the snow-covered mountain to melt the snow to give them a clear road to ride down. Uh, so that's a really fun sequence, really big and high concept. And then some of the Nazis with a tank are, like, chasing them down the mountain behind them. So we get some really fun stuff with that coming down the mountain. Uh, it cuts inside to the tank with like the vampire who's like you know running this thing, and it's, like, it's all red light, like the inside of a almost like a submarine, like you'd see in a, like a submarine movie. Um, all really fun stuff though. There's so much momentum here. The layouts are a big part of this. Um, again, I talked about how there's like all the panels that you would normally get in a page, but with the the white panel at the top, emphasizing the spread of this big vampire's arms. On a similar vein, there's a single page where you've got like almost like a, a normal page worth of panels, but it's a little shrunk down, so you've got like a you know, like an in- inverted L, you know, going up going up the left and across the top of the the page. And what this does is this is like them at the edge of a cliff. 
So at the top you see them on the edge of the cliff, and then the the vertical part is going down the side of it. So it emphasizes the height of the fall. Uh, and then this is them trying to get to the blimp that's the pickup point to to escape. Uh, so again, really smart use of like the the layouts to to because it is mostly action scenes here. It's 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 not a lot of story. It's a lot of uh, uh, physical beats and big moments, and the art is doing a great job of like making them all feel as big and cinematic as possible. Uh, so we have the big emotional climax, which is Cash is going to sacrifice himself to give her a chance to get away and says, you know, make sure you give my son this cure that we got from the doctor. Kisses her. And it was kind of setting up that they were bonding a little bit in a romantic way in the last issue, last couple of issues. So that, that felt like a nice payoff. And he has this big glorious sacrifice moment where he goes in, guns blazing, gets bit, but he goes into the tank and lets off a grenade and the tank blows up. It's glorious. And Felicia gets saved. There's a great moody page after this where she's just full page spread. She's sitting in the back of the plane or the blimp, and it's just all the the black of the 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 negative space. Like you know, the only light is the sky, and everything's in silhouette almost. Uh, and she's just like sitting with her her hand on her head. It's really deflated and all the rest of it. So we cut two weeks later, and Hobbs shows up uh, to quote unquote apologize for the intel being wrong for there being no cure. And she's really conf- confrontational with them. Doesn't like that he's there, but he says that hey, the uh, that Cash's son has went missing, but he told the investigators not to bother looking at her place because she has no interest in all that stuff. And that's how he says sorry. And that, that's what he says. He says that's how that's how I'm saying sorry. Basically, meaning that he knows that she probably took the son, and that yeah, there's only one vial of cure, so. If she turned it in so that they could try and like do stuff with it, it wouldn't really necessarily be there for her and the kid to use. So the story ends with her giving it to the kid, giving it to herself, and part of the cure is that they have to go and be in sunlight with it in their system for it to work. So the end of the story is her sitting with his baby boy on the fire escape of her apartment in the city. Uh... And just sort of, it's a, it's a really nice ending. It kind of feels like it, it, it concludes the story, obviously of Cash because he's dead, but also of her to a certain extent. Uh, and that she's no longer like a hybrid. She's now going to be human, assuming it works, which I don't remember if they ever said it didn't, but uh, I suspect it does. Um, now, what I don't remember is if Cash's son grows up to be a character in the later time periods. He may, I can't remember. <laughs> it's been too long. But uh, this was kind of a perfect ending to this and it felt like it was ending a lot of characters that we've been playing with for a while obviously we still have peril to deal with uh to get back to in the main the main story and all the other characters but this felt like it was a nice bookend for a lot of other characters that we've been we've been messing with through a couple of the different arcs that we've been dealing with so uh and like i said the art layouts are fantastic uh the giant vampire looked great as it was smashing all the nazis apart um yeah not, not a lot to complain about uh, really quick read this one because it is all action but uh, a solid 8.5 out of 10 I think for me on this so very good uh, so that's American Vampire Survival of the Fist issue 5 Connor is going to discuss Undiscovered Country issue 16 I am uh, possibly my favourite issue of the book so far um, maybe this is just because it it, it speaks to me but um, no I think it's a great issue this uh Issue knew they they got tasked by George Washington to go and find the creation engine. Uh, 
unbeknownst to them that George Washington is, is working for the Crossroads Devil. He's already made a deal. So they're off in the boat and they So is this, approach... is, this, is this the president, George Washington, as opposed to, you know, the, the plumber? Yes. And not the carpenter, just to be clear. It's not a carpenter, George Washington. Yes, I'm very clear. President, president of the United States, not like, like, you know, Canada. Are you just trying to insult the Americans now? <laughs> no, I'm not really. I'm just trying to wind you up. <laughs> not really wanting to be up. You, you got to try harder than that. But um, they approach the music island. Again, we're in this uh, possibility uh, you know, zone of possibility with you know all different areas. So we spent a lot of stuff last time on the uh, you know, the the comic book island, essentially the superhero one. This is the the music island, and uh, yeah, there's some jokes. You know, it'd be interesting how they try and kill us this time. Maybe they stab us with oboes or rap us to death or just make us listen to jazz until we kill ourselves. Um. But they get there, they get to the gates, and the, the gates are closed, and there's a big a big pedestal with a microphone on it, and a projection of some sheet music. And it's, you know, it's a little, a little bit like, it's the first few lines, and then a question mark at the end. Uh, you know, clearly the implication being is, you've got to sing it and finish the piece. And it's like, okay, do you know all the pieces? And they're all around, like, well, who knows how to sing? And one of them does, and one of them's like, oh, don't, don't let me, I, don't, I, don't, I can't read music, I only play guitar. Very good joke about how no, no guitarists read music. None of them do. They're all terrible. You included. Yeah, but at least we actually play notes on, like, drummers, okay? <laughs> I'll allow it. Although there is some really good stuff about some drums in this issue, which I will get to as well. But drum, drum tablature is even weirder than guitar tabs. It's, it's, it's a... Yeah, it's a language the, unto the, itself. There, there was an old joke back when I was in high school actually playing music, and we were in the... Uh, it was like a swing band uh, that was put together. It was mostly just the brass, but it was like, you know, rhythm, rhythm guitar and some drums and whatever. And uh, old joke was, uh, what do you call a guy who hangs about with musicians? A drummer. Yeah, that is a very old joke, let me tell you. It's a great joke, though. <laughs> it is. It is. But, I mean, uh, I appreciate that this was just, it was the accurate sheet music. You could, anyone who reads music could figure out what this song was pretty quickly and it's quite obvious what it actually is um because once the character sings the first bit even they're like oh of course that's what it is and uh it's it's the the, the american national anthem you know because what what else would it be in a in a, in a zone of creation about america's greatest creations of, of course it would be their most famous song right that's that's the test um which is a test in two parts. One, it's the test to see if you know it, because obviously that's that's why the question mark's there, and it's, you know, are you worthy to enter? And then two, it's, you know, pretty famously difficult to sing because of the range that it covers and, you know, the, the jumps that it has rather than just the range. Uh, so it's, okay, are you able to sing this as well? Do, do you belong in here? But she does it well enough, it opens up, and, and they get in, and you see all, you know, all these different, like, the signposts, all these different areas that are all, you know, based after various genres created in America. You know, you've got, you know, rock, jazz, Broadway, you know, um, gospel music, funk, stuff like that. Uh, it's like, you know, th this idea of going, 
yeah, America created a lot of music because, you know, lots of people came to America and just brought their, their music with them. And yeah, you got all this melding and you got all these totally new things. And it's very true. But, but you know, they go inside and um, it's like this disco hall, but everyone's dead. It's just all these skeletons. But it, it's just the, the idea of everyone who was here was a real person, not like some of the other islands where, where it's been all these, you know, literary creations. These were actual musicians just creating music all day. But over time, you know, they, they all died. And uh, there's, there's like nothing until you hear a drum beat. And they're like, yeah, I kind of recognize this. And it's, yeah, it's the, uh, the funky drummer, uh, which is, the, that's the name of the song. It's probably the most famous drum beat in history because it's been sampled in a lot of this. I mean, this song, this issue claims 1700 songs. And I'm assuming they just pulled that from Wiki. What song was this uh, from? Funky Drummer. Never heard of it. You won't have heard that song, but you okay. will have heard the drum beat. Like, I mean, you might have heard that song. It's it's unlikely though, but okay, okay. Yeah, you know, it's a James Brown kind of jazzy song. But uh, uh, Clyde Subblefield, I think, was the drummer. Uh, fantastic drum beat. Uh, like I say, you will know the drum beat because it's been used literally over a thousand times in various songs. Uh, they mention here the uh, it's in the 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 Powerpuff Girls theme tunes sped up, and it is. But that, that's a funny little reference because there was a there was a debate for years over whether it was this drum beat or another one from a different song. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I I do think it is this one. I think they're correct. I I remember looking at this before and going, yes, it's this one. But it was, it was a debate amongst musicians for years as to which one it was. Um, so that was just kind of a little fun little thing they threw in, but. They're like, oh yeah, no. If if that music's playing, you you know it, it, that what that must be is it's it's they, they liken it to it's it's a heartbeat, you know that that drum, you know the, okay if you, you your drums are your heartbeat, it's you know that's your your baseline to follow everything around, and of course it would use that one because it's the the most famous drum beat. So if that's happening, something's still alive, and they come to this. Thing I'm just skimming to the back matter to get the name of it because the name of it's not given anything. A one man band. Um, it's hard to describe. It's unique the design of this thing. It's it's got like a, a a bass drum or a kick drum for the Americans. Is the face of it, um, with like notes drawn on as like the eyes. Uh, it's got like it's just got cables linking to like guitars and pianos and other little drum kits that are like arms and appendages and it's very clearly anthropomorphized you can see the face you can understand how it's functioning and communicating uh but it's bizarre as a design and the uh the notes that are on it like on the that make the facial expressions they change kind of like a thing like rorschach's mask the way that kind of morphs through the scenes to give different emotions they use different music symbols to do different facial expressions, um, which is kind of cool. Um, but the things like, hey, you know, have, have you got new music? I, I need new music. I've heard every record already. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we got, we got an iPod. You can, you can have music. Uh, when it realizes though that they want the creation engine uh, for it, they're like, oh, no, we, we don't need music. We'll give you that. We, we just want music. And if, you, if, there's a crea if you're an actual person, you can use the creation engine. And you can create new music because that's 
that's how it works. Uh, so it gives them, and they, they, they struggle to figure out how to use it at first. They're like, what's the, you know, they don't understand. They've never learned before. They don't know what it is. And um, it's like, oh, well, you can't be people then, so I'm going to have to kill you. So it gets all these, like, big thick cables and starts, you know, choking them and, like, wrapping them up until uh, Ace kind of figures out, no, you know, you, you know, when you, whenever you create anything, you know, you, you song, you know, whenever you write a song, design a dress, you know, make a recipe, shoot a movie, you, you know, telling a story, doesn't matter what, you know, it has to cost you, you know, it, you need to put in your blood. So it's this creation engine takes it literally and it has like spikes that you have to, you know, put your hand on and bleed on to activate. And it, it does, and you know, it, it does the big, like, it lets off a big light in the sky when it's activated. Oh, sorry, it's called the anything engine, not the creation engine. But it's, the, the point of it's the same. It, it lets you create anything. Uh, and this is what they need, because they need to create something so they can get the key to the next zone. But it's also what we see is, th this is the plan, this is what the uh, the Crossroads Devil wanted. Uh, this is why he, he sent them there. We don't know what he wants it for yet, I'm sure they'll find out, but the final bit is is him going, ah, that's it now, they're caught between the Devil and this is where I was just complaining in a previous book, the thing of doing the narration, crossing pages or crossing scenes to kind of give this dramatic effect when there's no point to the linkage. Whereas this one does, because it's it's a crossroad, it's a face up, uh, a close up on the face of the the crossroads devil saying they're caught between the devil, and then it cuts, and it says you know and the deep blue sea on the next page, and of course you see the the island they're on it's a big wide shot so you just see the sea around it or you know and they're being surrounded by all these all these different ships um some of which have very interesting designs one of them looks like a big giant squid uh some of them are very sci-fi looking some of them are very traditional sailboats yeah no it, it's it's cool um this issue is great again it, it's playing into what this book has done best with the the ideas of stories and creation uh obviously this one through a music lens uh a little bit more flashbacks just you know, a little bit more of their history than playing with, with all right you know what was it what did america mean to the rest of the world once it was sealed off what was the what what was the legacy of america how did they remember it um it, it kind of took on this very sanitized view that the lafayette group don't want them talking about america but uh, as well as guns at the same time so it's a very sanitized history of it um it's got this idea of you know when someone dies and it's not like you know like a, a public figure but it's someone who wasn't necessarily that beloved like maybe they're a political figure and there was someone that people didn't necessarily agree with but everyone's like oh weren't they great didn't they do so much even though weeks before they died people weren't saying that uh it's kind of got that view to it as like that's how america's been treated by the rest of the world now it's just very sanitized like oh america didn't have a gun problem of course not we do we do we just don't talk about that anymore we talk about the good things and that's it uh and it, so it's this idea of inside the, the, the zones we're seeing what america really is versus what it wanted to be seen as what it what its legacy was and what is kindly remembered as in the flashbacks which has a this this really interesting dichotomy, and it's it's what this book does best at. Uh, no, it's a great issue. It's a it's a solid nine out of ten. Okay, well, there's other part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, <laughs> and top five books. Um, 
Yeah, so we'll start off with pal slash moment. Connor, what you got? Uh, I'm going from Robin and Batman. I'm just going Alfred, going you bastard, because it summed up everything at the end of that scene. Uh, that's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, there's a few things in there. I think I, I may be tempted to go with Batman coming out of the sewer, you know, the manhole, and uh, Batman imposter into the city. Ooh. I really like that moment. There's a lot of great moments in both that and Robin and Batman, but that's the one that I think takes it for me. Uh, cover of the week. Um, I will give a shout out to the fantastic Batman imposter cover. Um, uh, I, I pretty much knew it was going to be one of the Batgirls cover. You know, I think Middleton's cover is pretty solid. I think the main cover is fantastic. Uh, but my pick is actually the, uh, the, the Inky Hook Lee cover? I'm probably butchering the name. Uh, Inkook, I think. Inkook, yeah. Uh, it's obviously they're both in costume. They're it's got a pink background, but they're very nicely detailed and shaded and jumping, uh, past the moon. It's just a really really pretty cover. Uh, it's got a few good ones. Uh, and I don't usually do this, right? It's got a lot of variants, and I want to kind of shit on one of them. <laughs> oh, let's not do that. Well. I just, I feel like it's, a, there's one that feels like it's trying to make Steph look like a porn star, and it, I, I find it quite disturbing, to be honest. Are you on about the Will Jack one? Yes. You knew exactly which one I meant, which is, which is telling. Yeah, I, I get it, but, yeah. Yeah, the way I'd be mean, but. Slightly less pervy. I, 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 know, I know we commended that it's okay for artists to be a bit pervy early on. There's a line. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's too bad for... So there's two versions of that cover that they use. Yes. The zoomed-in one, I don't think is anywhere near as bad. I mean, I, I think the face is the biggest problem, to be honest, but like, I, I get what you're saying. I think the one where it zoomed out, where you see the hand down, like I, I, I don't know, the whole pose, it, it makes it look a bit worse, I think. Hmm. Um, it just feels it's, it's, it's also a bit uncanny valley kind of levels it's it like is. like I think Archer because Archer has got a pretty solid uh, I think Wonder Woman cover this week uh, or was it Wonder Girl one of, one of the Wonder books um, and sometimes Art Germ's a little bit on the weird uncanny valley digital vibe for me even though the art tends to be quite nice uh, this one goes a bit too far into like creepy territory I think for me but you know hey ho mm. what's your cover though um, I want to shout out the t- both of the ba- uh, the Robin and Batman covers. Yeah, they're good. Both of them, yeah. fantastic. But I am actually going to go with the uh, um, Wonder Girl variant. Oh, there you go. I, I like it. Yeah, it's good. Good art, Jim. Covers. Uh, I was just complimenting the the uh the the Batgirl Supergirl cover for World's Finest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the solicitors. Uh, all right. Uh, art of the week then. Uh, for me, I mean, there's only two it really comes down to, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's it's either Wynn or Sorrentino. And I'm going to give it to Wynn for Robin and Batman, but I mean, I could have gone with either. Well, the toying toss, basically. I mean, that's nice, because I'm going with Sorrentino, so I, I guess we're even even in the all out. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. All right, top five books, go. So I am actually going to Robin and Batman at one and Batman Imposter at number two, which is not what I predicted going into this week, but 
yeah, no, that, that was the way I came out of them, which was a pleasant surprise. Um, I, I guess uh, Batgirls, then Wonder Woman, and then, then I guess obligatory Wonder Girl in last, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'll go Batman Imposter at number one, then number two I'll go Robin and Batman, number three Batgirls, number four Wonder Woman, and I'm just double checking I didn't read anything else before I say Wonder Girl. <laughs> yep. I th- yeah. Okay. I, I was just assuming I can't have Undiscovered Country in, in my no, list. No, you cannot. Yeah. No. no. Uh, not, not even to bump Wonder Girl off. No, no, no. Not happening. But there you go. There's our there's our picks for the week. I will tell you what's coming next week. On the week of Christmas, the bastards uh, from DC Comics. So coming out next week, there is Nightwing 87, Batman Catwoman issue 9, Catwoman issue 38, Batman One Dark Knight issue 1. Oh, I'm looking forward to trying that, actually. It's a really cool premise. Mm, that's the joke book, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, there we got... Uh... Oh, no, you were wrong. Robin's issue 2 is next week. I guess it is. I... I know issue three came out on DC Universe. Yeah, this the, week. the digital for three was this week. Yeah, last time that happened, it was exactly you know the, the same week as the first issue, as the, the next issue. So I assumed it was this week. Yeah, My fine. bad. Yeah. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, issue six. Justice League Incarnate, issue two. Legends of the Dark Knight, issue eight. Catwoman, Lonely City, issue two. Batman v's Bigsby, A Wolf in Gotham, issue four. Newbie in the Amazons, issue three. Suicide Squad, King Shark, issue four. Refrigerator Full of Heads, Issue 3, Wonder Woman Evolution, Issue 2, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, 113, and uh, DC Connect, Issue 20, if anyone is uh, particularly thought. No, if always... anyone doesn't just want the, the, the solicits digitally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's not like a super, it's not the busiest week ever, but it's definitely a healthy, healthy week. It is, and also the books that are there tend to be books that get discussion, like you you tend to spend a reasonable amount on Batman, Catwoman. Nightwing tends to get a reasonable amount. Catwoman, Lonely City is a big book. Supergirl, the fairly big. Batman, One Dark Knight's a big new issue. One prestige, probably double sized issue. They're not falling in for Christmas week. Is the point? No, no, they are not. Uh, they couldn't give us a nice break week, could they? No, and they did that the last two years. There was like two years in a row where they just didn't release books on Christmas week. But mm. here we are. Uh, which was very convenient for getting the annual episode in, because we just did that that week off. <laughs> yeah. So, hey-ho. It is what it is. Uh, that's what's happening. So once again, I'll remind you that the show this coming next week will be late. It will be possibly multiple days late, depending on when we're going to record it, because we still haven't quite nailed down what day we are going to record it. But it will be late. So do not worry. It'll be coming. Um, and the following week may also be a little bit late, too. Uh, for basically the same reasons. New Year's not as obviously as eventful as Christmas, but it still may be busy enough for one of us that we'll push it a day or two. So uh, just brace yourself for delays. I think everyone will understand it is the Christmas season and it will affect the schedule a touch, but uh, we will be there. Uh, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month of December. So especially a Merry Christmas to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bornow, Christopher Moy, and David Brown. Those are our producers at one of the higher tiers, but you can support us for as little as $1 per month over at patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, $5 tier in particular gets the show uh, a day early, um, whenever it's ready on the Saturday. Of course, again, that's a little bit different the next couple of weeks for obvious reasons, but uh, we'll see what we can do. 
Um, and who knows, maybe there'll more, be new Patreon perks or stuff for, for Multiverse fans next next year in 2022. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, so go check out Patreon. Of course, you can support us for, for free by simply hitting the buttons. Hit the like button, subscribe, comment, all that stuff on YouTube. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you have. If it gives you the option of rating and reviewing, please do it. Very positively. Uh, no middling reviews, though. Five stars. None of this. Ah, three stars. They're okay. Yeah, we don't want to hear it. Six out of ten. Okay. If that's the case, piss off. Uh, but, yes. Uh, so, that has been the show. That has been episode 284. Thank you very much for joining us. And we'll be back next time uh, on a slightly irregular day. But we'll be back with your Christmas edition of comics of the multiverse although annoyingly it's going to feel probably quite christmas to us but by the time they get the episode it'll be a few days after christmas and they'll probably be like oh it's not christmas anymore we don't want to hear about christmas i mean it's probably going to be after christmas by the time we record i don't want to hear about christmas by that point that True. tree better be down by the time we record <laughs> piss off down no. No, boxing no, day no. gone no 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 uh, it's got to stay up for New Year. Yes. That's New Year's, not Christmas. Yeah, but the Christmas tree's still there. It still lingers for New Year's. That's the... That's the done thing. No. <laughs> You're supposed to keep it for 12 days after, which technically gets you up to, like, January 6th. <laughs> January 6th, because that's... Uh, there's Bible reasons, but... I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> People reasons. Yeah, that's the... But January 6th, that's, that's the day that the, uh... Allegedly, the uh, the uh, <laughs> allegedly, I like that one. Al- allegedly, the, uh, <laughs> the the wise men visited with their gifts was uh, was was twelve days after. Yes, so that, that's why you get to January sixth. Yes, yeah. Yeah, they allegedly uh, allegedly brought their gifts to the alleged son of God. <laughs> yes, the alleged son of the alleged God. Just to, just make it work completely. That tracks. Yes. But that, that's why 12 days. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for joining us once again. Um, so, and given this is the last episode you'll get before Christmas, have a nice Christmas and uh, eat lots or of... Or whatever else you celebrate. Yeah, eat lots of food. Eat, eat lots of nice things and get lots of presents, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, well, I'm an atheist and I, I enjoy Christmas, so everyone should enjoy the commercialism of Christmas. So they just, they just do things because why not? That's that's what Christmas is. Oh, the true Western Christmas spirit. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us once again. We always appreciate it. Keep watching, keep watching, keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Mm-hmm.